This is Geeks Unleashed, episode 31. Hello, welcome to Geeks Unleashed, episode 31. I'm Mark. And I'm Jasmine. Each week we cover the news of the week and we pick a couple of things to review that caught our fancy in TV, comics, movies and games. This week's reviews are In June Chronicles Part 2 on Netflix and a selection of Future State comics that came out this week from DC Comics. And spoiler warning, this is a review show, so if you haven't had a chance to watch the In June Chronicles or read any of the first issues of Future State, you might want to pause this and come back unless you just love spoilers. And then um, at the very end, we're going to wrap up our 2020 year, giving you all of our 2020 recommendations. We are back. First proper episode of the year. Last last week, we obviously did our book club podcast uh, where we were joined by Ali Burke Mm -hmm. and um, reviewed the first volume of Monstrous. But this is our first proper, proper actual weekly podcast. I'm quite excited. Good to be back. Um, And it's it's quite (laughs) weird because obviously we actually... The last episode of the year, we were joined by like a variety of, of guest stars. Um, so we haven't actually done this uh, for a while. Um, it's been a month. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, uh, did you have a good Christmas, really, and a good New Year? Uh, yeah. So um, Christmas was, I saw a, a handful of people, much smaller Christmas than what I'm used to. Uh, New Year's, I decided I didn't want to see anybody. So it was a very chill, very kind of quiet New Year's, which is fine. Like, I didn't feel like I was missing out on anything by not joining any parties. Um, So, yeah, just pretty, pretty quiet all around. How about you? Yeah, well, I mean... (laughs) Uh, I was fairly enraged uh, and I had to calm my feelings down um, where the week before Christmas, um, Boris announced on national TV that he was going to cancel Christmas um, for the United Kingdom. And um, I'm sure people may disagree on that because Christmas obviously wasn't cancelled, but he cancelled all of our plans and where I had ordered food for uh, about eight people, uh, that was going to be in amongst four. (laughs) Um, um, (laughs) Lots of leftovers. Yeah, yeah. I made a turkey last like a week. Uh, So, no, so yeah, the week before Christmas, he announced that um, uh, different tier restrictions which was then followed by actually the announcement on the um, well at the start of this week about how we're now the United Kingdom is now in our third lockdown. Um, so I just wonder when these things will ever end. Uh, the, the lockdown was followed actually by my phone being inundated with memes actually. Like um, so, uh, <laughs> got I got a one I got a good one of Boris um, dated two thousand and thirty five where he's aged drastically uh, with a, a, a caption that says. A few more months left <laughs> and, and we've got this and i was like it does feel like it now like you know is lockdown ever gonna end is covid ever gonna end uh and i think we'll, we'll sort of discuss that a little bit actually at the end of the episode in terms of what we're hoping for the year in terms of content because yeah well COVID- i mean we've we've got the beginnings of vaccine rollout so hopefully yeah. fingers crossed you know by maybe summer we can have a life 90 percent of the population <laughs> all taken care of so well yeah. i mean just have to see 
third vaccine got approved the other day um, for rollout, and the, the the Queen and the Prince got uh, vaccinated this week. So, if they're getting done, like whatever your views are, everybody seems to be getting done. I know, I know there are anti-vaxxers out there, like, um, but ultimately, if you can't get on a plane because you've been vaccinated, I know that I probably will be. <laughs> so. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I will get the vet. I just don't want to be the first round so like if if my time doesn't come until like april i'm cool with that oh well i mean over here it's the elderly that are getting populated for getting vaccinated first so uh elderly and vulnerable and carers actually uh and i think nhs staff um different levels of priority on that as well so um but yeah no over christmas i um quite deviated there like yeah it was meant to be um eight of us but there was only four of us in the end so um what we did was New Year's Eve, which was quite cool. Um, we, um, like my family and me, we did a Zoom family hangout from like half nine to half ten, um, which was quite cool because by half nine, I think quite a few of us had all had drinks and stuff. <laughs> um, and so we were drinking on the Zoom. Mm-hmm. And then um, a bunch of our neighbours like all said about meeting in the street. Now, there was social distancing going on. We weren't like all hanging out. But like we all went out into the street. And man, is it cold out here. We didn't go out there for long, 20 minutes at the most. But like we were so wrapped up. Like And yeah, we we probably didn't even get through one drink out there. But it was quite nice to have a little bit of hanging around with each mm-hmm. other. Um, and then before the zoom party we had to put it on pause several times it probably i think we made this joke before the podcast actually about uh the two-hour movie taking four or five hours to watch um like we started watching before the zoom uh tenant and um Oh, <laughs> I can't imagine pausing that movie though. Well, I mean, it's an extremely complex movie as yeah. it is. Um, and then we came back to it after. So I came back in just before 11. We carried on watching it and then we had to pause it again before <laughs> midnight because uh, my daughter, my oldest daughter, wanted to see Big Ben and everything. So we paused it again uh, and then watched uh, like the fireworks and Big Ben and everything like come on uh, on the TV. Um, and actually, that was pretty cool because they were playing loads of sound bites throughout the year. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they were having like um, little laser displays. And one of the things I thought was quite made me laugh, actually, was when they had a laser display of the, the mute symbol, which you have on Zoom. Um, <laughs> and, and somebody and, and somebody saying um, something along the lines of you're on mute. Yeah. And, like, and I was like, why are they doing that? And my wife was like, come on, that's like the catchphrase of this year. You're oh, on yeah, mute, sure. you're on mute. Like, and actually, I was like, when oh, we yeah. first got on this, this call, I, my mic was not on and you're like, yeah. I can't hear you. <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah, exactly. Like, and I thought actually, how many times like even so, I all my team meetings with my team now all on Zoom, and mm-hmm. like, and like my boss keeps having to say like, y- you're on mute, so and so, you're on mute, like, and actually, yeah, it made me laugh. So, um, but yeah, no, over Christmas as well, like I watched obviously the Doctor Who New Year's special, but actually, me and my wife we tend to watch um, loads of old films over Christmas. She, mm-hmm. um, I think you know how like in our Christmas battle. Um, we only really refer to actual Christmas, Christmas movies, mm-hmm. but actually you could even put an argument forward to say that there are some f- movies that may not be Christmas like movies in terms of, you know, snow and Christmas trees, but there are some fa- movies in different households are associated as Christmas movies because those are the films that you watch over Christmas time. Cause mm-hmm. they like feel good. So every Christmas, literally every Christmas we watch the Beverly Hills trilogy 
uh, Beverly Hills Cop trilogy. Sorry, Beverly Hills Cop trilogy. And um, like, so, and again, we watched it this year, like all like all three movies, like over a couple of nights. Um, and that's something we like. Me and Michelle started like doing. Oh, I don't know almost every 10 years now we've been watching i don't think we did we didn't do it last year actually because we were away but um but every year we watch the beverly hills cop trilogy so like, do you know when i first moved to la the first time i drove through beverly hills and i saw the beverly hills police station i was like yeah. oh my god this is real <laughs> this is it's exactly like beverly hills cop this is insane i love the beverly hills cop series though love it well, there's that um, place in Beverly Hills. I, I forget the name of it. Where um, the the quite famous shopping um, shopping place oh, with the stairs. Rodeo Drive. Yeah, Rodeo Drive. Uh-huh. So, so um, when I was in Beverly Hills, I went. Um, I went. Oh, I was there on holiday. I didn't live there like you. But um, like, <laughs> I, I went. I went. I stayed in um, Beverly Hills for five days. Um, went to in Vegas five days. Beverly Hills five days. Quite. I don't know, 15 years ago or something. Um, anyway, went past Rodeo Drive and immediately thought of the movie Clueless. Yes. Uh, like where Cher walks down the stairs yes. with all the shopping bags. <laughs> and I was like, oh my God. I was yeah. like, this is serious. Let like, me tell you something. When when my roommate and I moved to Los Angeles, we always told people like, you don't take Clueless seriously, but like Clueless taught me so much about LA that it's almost like it can't really be like this, can it? And it's like, <laughs> yes, yes, it is. Like, <laughs> My experience in Los Angeles was very reminiscent of like watching Clueless. I love Clueless. It's such a good film. It's great. Like, um, but yeah, no, I'm, and then over Christmas as well. Do you know what I rewatched and I haven't watched this for a long time was the Matrix trilogy. Oh, wow. Like, honestly, like, when I watched it and it ended, like, me and my wife were talking about Matrix 4, like, because obviously that's meant to come out this year. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were like, what are the, how are they going to do it? And I actually was Googling it while we were watching it. Mm-hmm. Um, and apparently, um, Lawrence Fishburne isn't going to be in Matrix 4. Um, but they can't potentially cast in somebody who's going to be like a young Morpheus. Uh-huh. And, I said, and I said, that throws me off even more. I was like, what, what is Matrix 4 going to be about? Yeah. Uh, considering the rest of the cast are coming back. So, well, um, you know, Keanu Reeves and um, I forget her name, but the lady who played Trinity. Um, but yeah. So, yeah. Did you watch anything over Christmas or New Year? Um, nope just more anime uh, although i did watch trading places that was my new year's day movie <laughs> oh yeah oh you watched it twice then <laughs> it's never it's never enough like it's it's never enough it's it's funny every time i watch it did you read anything or not uh nope just anime just anime wow surprise <laughs> did you get i was gonna say did you get anything geeky for christmas uh one of my friends gave me a Lemillion shirt, which he's a character from My Hero Academia. Oh, okay. So, uh, I do love that. Um, I did get a Forrest Gump pop. Oh, cool. I didn't even know that they had Forrest Gump pops. I think they now have pops for everything. Yeah, I'm pretty right. sure they do. Uh, Forrest Gump is my favorite movie <laughs> of all time. So that was that was quite fun. Um, oh, one of the gifts that I really enjoyed, uh, a friend of mine had custom fortune cookies made for oh, me. Oh, that's pretty cool. And they are uh, chocolate dipped. But the, the crazy part was is they got to write the fortunes that they put inside the cookies. <laughs> so oh. like every time I open one, it's something so stupid. And <laughs> my favorite fortune so far has been, why did the chicken cross the road? I don't know. I don't speak bird. And like, <laughs> it's so cheesy. But I was like, 
how did you even come up with all of these? And they were like, look, it was three o'clock in the morning. I was just trying to hurry up and place this order <laughs> so that it would get here in time. I don't remember anything that I typed. So like now, every time I open a cookie, I text them a picture. <laughs> and they're like, oh yeah, I do remember writing that fortune. <laughs> do you know, that would be a really good game to play. Like write these things drunk, put them in the cookies. <laughs> Like and then not know what you've written. Like, yeah, like, that would be a really cool game to play. Like, um, yeah, yeah. I, I, what's, there's that game, um, the cut with the cards. I forgot one. Oh, Cards Against uh, Humanity. Yeah, 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 yeah. It kind of makes me feel a little bit like that because you can kind of just make that up yeah. as you're going along. <laughs> um, I've only ever played that once, and um, oh my god, Cards Against wow. Humanity is so. F- it's like hours of fun with your friends. I, we played it once, like a bunch of us were drunk, and we only had one set. And we played it through twice, but the second time wasn't as funny because yeah. like we already knew these cards. So, but the first time was amazing. I think it would be cool to play it if you had multiple sets. Mm-hmm. That would that would be that would be amazing. It was, yeah, it was a good game. Like, but yeah, you can imagine like a Cards Against Humanity and the cookies combined yeah. be, be the best <laughs> Christmas present ever. Like, yeah, or like if a bunch of friends got together and wrote a bunch of fortunes, and then when you open a cookie, you have to guess who wrote that fortune. Oh, that's, that's pretty cool. Do you know what? Me and you need to come up with some gigs and each fortune cookies. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like, start selling them on the, on the yeah, website. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's the next thing. Um, I mentioned on the, the book club uh, podcast last week, I got um, some video games and um, mm-hmm. I haven't actually had a chance to play much in the way of video games though since uh, our last week's episode. But um, yeah, I was showing you earlier though, my, my pop... Uh, which obviously nobody on this podcast can see, but it is first order speedster and two stormtroopers, which is pretty cool. Yeah. I was pretty pleased with that. Um, yeah, I've got a couple of uh, geeky t-shirts as well, like Black Panther and Venom as well. So that's pretty cool. Oh, fun. Um, yeah. So, um, but yeah, no, uh, that's kind of what I got. But yeah, no, it's pretty cool over Christmas. And um it all feels like a long time ago now. It does, doesn't it? Uh, yeah, funny, yeah. funny how time just seems to have no meaning anymore. <laughs> oh, yeah, I, I constantly am. Um, there was one day this week I did not get to work until after 10 a.m. Because when I woke up, I kept telling myself, like, why did you set your alarm so early on a Sunday? And so I turned my alarm off and rolled over and went back to sleep. And then, like, woke up again at to a few missed phone calls. And I was like, oh, my God today is monday i should be at work right now <laughs> wow what did they say well they were I, it's we still have kind of a staggered schedule at the office so it's not like oh, okay. we were missing anything but at the same time i was like i'm really sorry i thought it was sunday my bad <laughs> <laughs> well I've, I've had that the other way around waking up at the weekend and then get, thinking it was work like mm-hmm. and get getting up and then be like oh no it's not it's not, it's not. <laughs> Uh, that's the one thing actually over Christmas day I probably there wasn't a day because I, I did book some time off there wasn't a day that I got up before 10 on my days off oh, like, that, nice. was quite, that, that was quite nice like yeah uh, and now the kids are getting a bit older they don't necessarily get up early or if they do they don't need to pester us so mm-hmm. um, or actually I think some of them they I think they both quite like it actually if we we're asleep <laughs> so like, uh, they can get up and they can just instantly start watching stuff or do do it or go on my playstation or something without asking me so yeah but anyway christmas is over back to the real world so 
We've got quite a few new things that we want to roll out in 2021 for uh, the Geeks Unleashed podcast. So we are going to be doing, um, we're going to start, we don't exactly have a start date yet. It's hopefully next week, but we'll see. Uh, so we've got a weekly YouTube series that we're going to start doing where we're kind of going back to the Snyderverse and we're going to do all of the DC films that lead up to the point in time where the Snyder Cut is finally released on HBO Max. Um, so we're going to start putting those out on YouTube. So for the one person who always told us that they wanted to see more of our faces, we yeah. are going to have more YouTube content in 2021. So be prepared for that. Um also, sometime in February, it's the 18th, which is a Thursday, yeah. uh, Thursday, February 18th, we are actually going to be guest starring on the Pop Culture Philosophers live stream. So that'll be fun. We'll be hanging out um, just with Robbie. chit-chatting with Robbie. Um, yeah. So definitely looking forward to that. Also, in the month of February, we're going to start a new kind of series where we're going to pick uh, one topic well this in this case it's going to be a tv series we're picking a tv series we're going to follow it through for the whole month and kind of be just reviewing the content uh as throughout the month of february uh that could be a potential series that we continue throughout the year where we pick different series and we just kind of follow them as time as time progresses so so that'll be within our normal weekly uh, podcast yeah yeah so more on that as it develops. We'll definitely keep you updated. But we're trying out a bunch of new things for 2021. Um, we we had a great start in 2020 to this podcast. So we want to make sure that we keep it fresh. We keep keep you guys interested. So um, yeah, just keep an eye out for or keep an ear out for the new content that we're going to be coming up with. So we'll we'll always give you a heads up. But next week should be our first new yeah, rollout no. of youtube content so so yeah next so the next week yeah, obviously the um i think the plan is on tuesday as long as as long as nothing interferes we should be good to go tuesday we'll launch our first youtube only so we won't put the audio on here at least not at the, at the moment but we're just going to be youtube only for the movie reviews starting with the side of us so mm-hmm. i'm quite excited uh about that <laughs> yeah looking forward to it um, and then we've got a few other ideas. So over the Christmas break, me and Jasmine did play around with a few other ideas we've got, but these are what we're going to launch with initially. So, so stay tuned because we've got a whole year. We've got a whole year to work with. <laughs> um, and then in terms of news of the week, th- obviously we haven't done one of these episodes for a month. So over the last month has been quite a lot. Um, but two things kind of jumped out at me that came out, one before Christmas, which most people know about, and then one that happened within the last 24 hours. Um, this is not a surprise to anybody at all. Green Arrow and the Canaries is not moving forward at the CW. Uh, it's got announced yesterday that that has now been officially sort of, I guess, cancelled. Uh, there was a backdoor pilot in the last season of Arrow, which came out in season eight, episode nine, and aired on January 21st, 2020 uh, on the CW. And um, there's literally been no news. There's meant to be news, I think, around April or May time. Um, so from reading the news report, it was a way up between doing this or the 100 prequel. And it looks like they're going with the 100 prequel rather than this. I mean, I, I, I don't know. Like, I, didn't re- I don't really see a need for the 100 prequel. I guess you could probably say, is there a need to do the Green Arrow Canaries spinoff? Probably not either. But, it would have, but because they left so much hanging from the backdoor pilot um, and the way the Arrow season eight finished with the Canaries, 
I wouldn't like it if they could have brought it back, even if they just brought it back for one season, like a mini or something like that. Do, mm-hmm. do it as a summer, do it as a summer show because it's set in the future. It's not connected with the main um, shows. Yeah. So it would have been quite cool to have had this as a summer show. Like I think they're shooting themselves in the foot here. They could have just released it as a twelve episode summer show because th- there's no link to the Flash or Supergirl or Superman or any of that stuff. So um, you could have had. There's room for the 100 prequel and this. Um, it makes me wonder if, if CW is like hedging their bets because they this is the 2021 is going to be the last season of Supergirl 2021 is the last season of Black Lightning um, although they did have they are doing a painkiller spinoff from Black Lightning and they are adding a Wonder Woman series that's going to follow Yara 4 which we're actually going to be talking about when we get to our future state review later so they're removing content but they're also adding new content so I guess they just kind of they're like, look, we, we only have this much and you didn't quite make the cut. Which, in the grand scheme of things, I can see not adding to the Arrowverse in favor of doing something else. That way, the just to kind of make sure that the network is kind of hitting all of their marks. So keeping 100, 100 content uh, in favor of not adding yet another hero series. Oh yeah, you can imagine like trying to have some diversity on the channel. Um, <clears throat> it's probably where their thoughts were at. Like you know, if we just make this a superhero channel, you know, we could end up losing viewers. Um, so you could be sure that probably there's 100 fans out there that don't watch superhero shows. So they yeah. probably think, well, could we be shooting ourselves on the foot by not having this prequel? Right. Um, I'm still not entirely convinced that we need a 100 prequel, but. <laughs> Um, I think they fleshed it out enough without having to see the origins of of the the people that lived in the woods. I forget their name now, but anyway. Um, but yeah, no, I, I don't know. I was a bit disappointed, but um, there was talk um, by the creators that if this didn't get picked up, that they could potentially um, cover off the plot, um, the sort of that overhanging plot lines um, in Legends of Tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Um, although I'm not entirely sure how they would do that because Legends of Tomorrow has become more and more of a comedy show. Um, <laughs> uh, and Green Arrow and the Canaries is quite a dark show. It's almost like, you know, if Batman had a TV show, Green Arrow was kind of like down that road. Mm-hmm. Um, there they would be very much polar opposites. <laughs> I guess they would have to just make it work, blend, blend the two genres for a couple of episodes. Yeah. You, you know, you never know. It could be. But um, next year's event show is is Legends of Tomorrow or something like that, you know, like Legends yeah. of Tomorrow. I don't know. Or they could have a season where they just pick up these characters. But what would be cool, though, is if the Canaries did come on uh, to Legends of Tomorrow, considering Sarah is the team leader and mm-hmm. having a having a having her sister from Earth 2 join the cast would be pretty cool Yeah, uh, to have that sort of sister interaction. I'd be quite down for that, actually, that Legends of Tomorrow picking up some of these characters. Yeah, I mean, plus that they have the perfect excuse to jump in and out of whatever timeline they so choose. So. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, okay, so leaving that there, um, the Mandalorian finished just before Christmas <laughs> with um, quite a cool ending, um, bringing back Luke Skywalker, who rescued um, the child, uh, or known as Grogu, which not everybody <laughs> loves that name. Not Baby Yoda. No, no, no. <laughs> So that was a pretty cool ending. I was just really shocked watching that ending. So that was a really that was a really cool ending, bringing back uh, Mark Hamill, who obviously wasn't Mark Hamill himself, but um, 
somebody else with his face, but even he put on Twitter, he was really pleased that that didn't get leaked at all. He said he'd been aware of or been involved in doing this for about a year before that episode aired. So um, it's amazing that nobody let that leak. So I was pretty pleased yeah. with that. So when the final episode came out, there was a final, um, there was a scene in the credits, uh, mid, mid uh, end credits sequence, where they also announced a Boba Fett spinoff called The Book of Boba Fett. So that wasn't, they said they deliberately held that back because they didn't want that to leak. Uh, they didn't want to ruin the surprise at the end of the, with doing that during the Disney investment call. Mm -hmm. So they held that news back. So they have made it clear that Boba Fett is getting his own series and The Mandalorian will have season three. And although they'll be set in the same sort of timeline. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's pretty cool news. All right. So our first, first up, uh, we're talking about the Dune Chronicles part two. Uh, which was on Netflix. So the first part came out September last year. So September, September 2020. 2020. Yeah. Um, it is a, a Spanish anime based on a Spanish novel series. Um, we did review the first five episodes back on episode 15. Um, so if you ever want to go back and check that out. Uh, but we, we both said at the end of that episode that we were definitely looking forward to seeing what happens next. So um basically this one it pretty much picks up exactly where the first one left off well that's not entirely true there's a thankfully um a time jump so we jump two years into the future after the events of the first five episodes and we it, i guess it's kind of unclear like how old they were the first time around i think we had said that they were maybe like 11 or 12 so you assume that they're like 13 14 at this point um so basically the uh, to recap the first part it's there's these people that are from a realm called idun uh that realm started to fall apart and some beings from that realm wound up on earth then there's a sort of like a wizard king that is trying to kill off all the remaining elites from idun to kind of harness all of their power for himself so he sends out assassins to earth to hunt these people down and kill them uh so that's how we come across what they call the resistance which is run by teenagers go figure <laughs> um you know i i don't know maybe like a year ago i would have said oh a resistance run by teenagers that's ridiculous but in this day and age ah, maybe it's not so far-fetched um so you've got these teenagers that are running interference and trying to stop this this thing from happening and trying to protect the last of their kind so basically the first five episodes ends with one of the resistance members dying quote unquote um and the other three kind of going their separate ways as they all try to figure themselves out after the events that have happened in the first one so we pick up and these second seat which it turns out it's it's not a second season it's like they split the first season into two parts. So yes. um, there was actually an article on Bustle and uh, a small quote from that article says that uh, the resistance, uh, no, the, 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 one of the biggest issues with the production was the first part took two years and four months to produce. So uh, that's why they kind of split everything up. So um, the Endune Chronicles premiered in September 2020 with only five episodes. And then the story uh, was only spanning the first half of the book, The Resistance. So uh -huh. this 
second run of five episodes is the back half of the resistance book so there's still two more books left in this trilogy uh triad is the second book and pantheon is the third book so we'll see if netflix keeps keeps going with them but anyway so as we get to part two it's been two years uh after aslan was turned by the evil wizard into like this half wolf being he ran off and jack went to go look for him and when jack left that left victoria all by herself so jack has spent the last two years searching for aslan finds him in what i assume is some town somewhere in russia because looking at some of the newspapers that they were showing each other uh the language looks russian uh but of course everything is in english there there are no subtitles to give that away so he finds aslan in russia he's been able to control his human form so um he he looks more human than he did when we last saw him um so they get back together they they make their way to madrid to talk to victoria victoria gets takes them back to limbod and basically the gang's all back together so it's two years everybody's a little bit different everybody's a little more weathered um victoria is definitely less helpless than she was the first time around so she's been doing some taekwondo training she's she's been learning how to use her staff um so she's physically she's gotten much more um adept and um later on in the series in one of the episodes she says that she had no choice because with shale gone since he disappeared at the end of the the first season that there was no one to help her train her magic so she had to learn how to physically defend herself in case anything else came up um so we get everybody back together and we just pick up right where we left off again so once everybody's back together it's like okay so kirtosh let's go get him <laughs> and they they suddenly know exactly where he is uh the series has its uh garth brooks chris Gaines moment where kirtosh has or lestat if if you want to get supernatural with it uh has this moment where Kurtosh, who is the villain in the first five episodes, has now become this super famous singer, and he's got this concert going on. And um, yeah. I thought that was, uh, was a bit much. Uh, yeah. he suddenly, has turned into like this pop idol. <laughs> <laughs> I just can't um, imagine him. Was he like in the in the booth? You know, like recording. Like, yeah, you know, I, mean, like... I don't know. <sighs> and it's, it was really interesting that they picked that route because to me, it always seemed like Kurtosh was. He has such a dry personality. I mean, he just, he's so monotone. He's so, like, he's hes emotional in the sense that uh, anger, he's quick to anger. But, like, he just doesn't fit the idol personality or persona at all. Um, so, anyway, they go to this concert that's in Germany, I believe. And, uh, and nothing goes according to plan. It turns out that Victoria had been listening to this new singer and it, there was so much mystery behind the new singer because no one had ever seen his picture uh, and he didn't do interviews or anything like that. So she had no idea that it was Kurtosh. Uh, the, he goes by, what is the name, Chris? Chris Tara. Chris Tara, right. So the, the singer personality is Chris Tara. Um, anyway, so she, she kind of messes up the concert. Everybody kind of panics. They have this massive, the three of the resistance members and Kurtosh have this fight in the park. And we're immediately right back to just like at the very end of the first five episodes, kind of like you spend all this time fighting each other, but oh, wow. Turns out like, what if you just 
stop fighting me and just come be my girlfriend. So we're right <laughs> back to the, hey, my offer still stands. Like, I know it's been two years and I haven't, you know, we haven't talked to each other in two years, but like, come on, man, just be my girlfriend. Like, we can, we can end all of this right now. Like, uh, let me kill these other two guys and then you come and be my girlfriend and everything will be fine. So that is still a very, very weird transition. And to make it worse, as the series progresses, it turns into this love triangle between Kartash, Victoria, and Jack. Um, and it's, it's awkward. I mean, like, I, I, can't, I can't think of a series or a TV show or a film that ever does a love triangle well. Um, so it's, it's, it gets increasingly cringy as the, as this, these five episodes progress. The one good thing I will say about it is, uh, at one point, Kartosh is talking to Victoria and he knows that she has feelings for Jack as well. And he says, well, your feelings for him are yours and your feelings for me are also yours. So I can't, I have no right to tell you not to feel what you feel towards someone else. So when we're together, I'm fine with it. But when you're not with me, that's none of my business. And I was like, that is surprisingly uh, mature for a teenager <laughs> to have, have that kind of mentality. So I really like that it's not, that they don't really play that whole jealousy or possessive thing when it comes to Victoria. There's never a point where, the two guys are like, no, she's mine. And no, she's mine. So I really appreciated that. Even if the rest of it was really kind of cringy. Um, I think Jack was a bit jealous in the beginning, but he did change. Like, Yeah, but he, he, said, never, he, said, he never got possessive over her. No, 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 no. Yeah. No, he didn't get possessive, but he did, no, he did say, I get jealous or, so yeah. I'm, getting, I'm getting jealous. But then he did sort of like come around a little bit as well. Like, yeah, neither one of them played the whole you know, choose me thing, not right, him right. or whatever, like, yeah. Um, although I did prefer um, uh, Kurtash's, like, his, I felt his stance was stronger than Jack's. <laughs> like, yeah. He, he, he was very open from the beginning, I want you, where Jack yeah. messed around too much with, with friends, like, yeah. or whatever, and, or I need to go save... Um, uh, uh, Aslan, who Aslan. goes by yeah. Alexander now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, and um, uh, and so I don't know. With with the love triangle, I felt like Kurtash. Uh, uh, he was quite open straight away. I want yeah. you be my queen. Right. Um, I'm gonna kill Jack. Like, yeah. You know, <laughs> and and he yes. he didn't really budge from that until the right. final episode. Like, mm -hmm. where Jack, I felt was a bit. I don't know, too soft with it. But I guess they're different people. Different people have different ways. You know, neither one of them are going to be the same. But yeah, but yeah, but like it was the love triangle was the one thing that really took over this season or this yes. part of the season. And it, I felt there was too much of this season that just mirandered around the mm -hmm. love triangle. Like that was, and I felt the script was fairly stronger than the first part, other than. The love triangle yeah. parts of it, the love triangle, and like there was a there was a little bit right at the very in the first episode where um, Jack shows up at Victoria's school, uh -huh. and then she goes, "Oh, you've gotten taller and more handsome." Yeah, like, and, like, and I was like, "Oh, come on!" Oh, like, come on. They can't lose all of the anime elements, like, right? So like, like, I I had one of those reactions too because when they did when they got to the time jump, like 
when Victoria's not in her school uniform, she's wearing a crop top. And I was like, oh, perfect. Of course. Like, that's exactly how you represented teenagers. The teenager, like, let's put her in a crop top so that her entire midriff is showing the entire, the rest of these five episodes. I, I did think actually, like, in terms of her clothing, she's either in a really short skirt in her school clothing, mm-hmm. or like you just said, wearing like fairly inappropriate t-shirts for, yeah. let's say she's 15 or 16 or something like that. Yeah. Like, I mean... I wouldn't want my 16 year old going out looking like that. Like, yeah. I mean, I mean, oh, 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 like, I just yeah, thought it oh. was, that was definitely my like cliche moment. Like, oh, yeah, just in case you forgot you were watching anime, here's your reminder that you're watching anime. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> Let's sexualize this teenage girl for no reason whatsoever. Yeah. yeah. And, and just, yeah, and the lines between them both, like, and there's the line where they're talking about um, when she's talking to Jack. Uh, about and then she's like oh just and the way they look at each other and then they have a kiss and all that and like and I was just like this is so cheesy like <laughs> and it's so badly written and I thought like I just it's ruining the show like yeah. I, I don't mind a love interest but yeah. it, it I felt like the second part was really monopolized by yes the love it was interest. The, the whole second half like they I I I, t- I thought at the end of the first five episodes, like there's there's a lot of room for improvement, and they did well with expanding on the mystery and some of the backstory of like why this world collapsed, why how they can get it back on track, like introducing the grandmother as a sleeper agent, so to speak. Um, so they they did well with introducing new characters and expanding like on the story. But you're right, the the love triangle was overbearing uh, mm. across all five of the episodes so it was just kind of like okay we get it we get it like this is i it, it got repetitive to me at some point and even the the dialogue that kurtash would just be like well i you know i love you but i still got to kill jack so and it's like okay you say that every 15 minutes i mean it's just, just we, get it. we get it like once is enough we understand yeah. that you like her but you got to kill the other guy so um so the, it, to me like it it made me want to ask the question the writing to me seems a bit juvenile and i was just like so my question is because the series revolves around kids does that make it a kids series I don't think so because it's a 15 and there are elements in there like especially where they're using their swords and killing um, those lizard people Mm -hmm. like it's quite bloody and those bits are definitely not for kids they are quite strong however it could be a 12 like it probably doesn't need to be a 15 mm-hmm. unless they're doing that because of like you just said some of the sexualization mm-hmm. um but even then the sort of soft porn type moments like they're not they're just kissing and they're just sort of flirty yeah. but they're not there's no nudity no, yeah no there's like never that. anything aggressive like the it's not graphic it's not like some anime where you see tongues flying all over the place there's no groping there's nothing overtly inappropriate happening there i think it could have been a 12 yeah yeah i i mean but it just seems to me like the writing kind of reverted a little bit so i i the story itself is better but the writing doesn't feel as as um what's the word i'm looking for as sort of engaging as it did in the first season or first five episodes I, i think in the first part i enjoyed 
the whole looking for the staff thing, um, mm-hmm. the mystery, and then popping and going to London, and mm-hmm. uh, and and then you know, and then them having to storm a castle, and mm-hmm. you know that that definitely was more engaging to me. The first season was definitely me. an adventure. Like they, yeah, they were yeah. on an adventure. Yeah, and although you could tell that Jack and Victoria liked each other in the first season. They didn't really go much more than that. They liked mm-hmm. each other and that was it. Um, and then obviously t- two years have gone past and I'm assuming what's happened is, you know, they, they're now going through puberty and like, you know, suddenly like they're all mm-hmm. hormones are going. And, um, uh, and unfortunately for Victoria, well, maybe, maybe, you know, maybe Victoria doesn't mind, but she's the only girl in the group and she's getting the, all the attention. Like mm-hmm. maybe if there was a couple of girls, it could have been shared around. Like, <laughs> like uh, I always joke about this like like with my wife like um because my six-year-old in in um her class is like a the the class is mainly girls there's only like five boys and mm-hmm. there's uh, 30 girls and uh and I keep going when those boys are older like, like, <laughs> they, they're gonna be loving it like although <laughs> like I mean obviously that they leave school that school at 10 or 11 I mean I don't mean overly loving it but like they're you know it's going to be quite nice for those five boys like in the and then um, with this situation it's like one girl in a group of mainly males like and yeah two of the male characters are giving her quite a lot of attention and I did feel that did really take on a lot of this back half of season mm. one like and I don't know it's just unnecessary but terms of what i liked actually i did think the character development of victoria was strong um oh, yeah. so from like you say his first season although she did know magic in the first season um i liked the fact that she'd been left on her own for two years and mm-hmm. decided to not just become docile or vulnerable um she knew there was no one around to teach her magic so she took on training for the staff and taekwondo right um she came across very confident in terms of dealing with everybody Mm -hmm. um and i did like how driven she was and determined to sell it to everybody that kurt ash was someone they could save Mm -hmm. um and it it reminded me a little bit of star wars actually where ray was getting pulled between um the dark side and the good and you know mm-hmm. but people were trying to pull her in either direction and obviously kurt ash is trying to tell his father uh ashran that he can pull victoria over to their side mm-hmm. and um but no victoria didn't waver at all and i yeah. thought it was and she sort of she did very much wear her emotions on her sleeve and yeah. I, I, I probably probably victoria victoria and i would say um uh, as as Al Al San, sorry Alexandra, as he's now known, they're probably my two favorite characters in this show. Yeah, uh, I would say, and I also liked his character development as well because in season, or sorry, part one of season one, um, he was very much the sort of I don't know one dimensional soldier. Yes, he was like, very rigid and extreme yeah. in his beliefs about the way things should happen. Yeah, and then in season, and then, sorry, I keep saying season, in part two, he was definitely still the soldier, but he took on more of a leader role now. Yeah. But then I guess that's because obviously um, Shale's not there. Shale's got, Shale wasn't there, so he yeah. had to take the leader role on. But he was all a little bit more rough and ready this time around. Yeah. And I guess that, that's because obviously the werewolf nature had changed him uh, as he was now a, an incomplete hybrid, as they call mm-hmm. them. Um and I thought it was cool that he had a lot more control over being a werewolf this time around. Yeah. Although, although there was one incident with the werewolf, it, it 
the show well, wasn't but dominated it was just a full by that. Moon. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like um, he said, he could still feel the full moon, uh-huh. even though they were in um, uh, they were in Leanbod. Yeah, Leanbod. Sorry, um, but you know, I, I would say I preferred this, and I yeah, I, I did like it better. Part, part two. I, I like part two better. I just wish that the writing had been a bit stronger because again, it did get repetitive. It's like okay, we've gone over this, we get it. Um, yeah. But I, I like the story. I like the direction it was going. And I like, again, I, I, I understand the, the whole love triangle thing. I know why they put it there. But I also appreciate that they handle it very well. Like the, the actual characters handle it well, mm. as opposed to it just being this messy shit show. Um, like, like at the very, very end when the three of them all grab hands and walk, you know, walk through the portal to Idun as opposed to, you know, I'm not going because he's going. Well, I'm not going because he's going. You know, like they yeah, yeah, yeah. they almost. They're very they're, mature about it. Yes, yeah. I was going to. They're very mature. It's it's not. They're not childish about it, which which is greatly appreciated. If you're going to put it in there, then at least they're they're good about it versus mm. it being like you put it in here and then you just did it wrong. Um <laughs> So yeah. I, I really like that. And not who's to say it's going to last forever. I want to see where this alliance goes. Like if Kurtash stays on the good side, does he swing back to the dark side? Like how does this all play out? But I mean, it's, it's not one of those series where it's like rocket science. I'm pretty sure at the end, like when we reviewed this, the, the first five episodes, both of us at the end, were like, yeah. So it's very apparent that Jack is the dragon and Victoria is the unicorn that they're all looking for. Mm-hmm. Uh, which turned out to be 100% true. So I still like I'm still interested to see where this all goes. I feel at this point like I'm invested in in how this works, how they get Idun back to the paradise that it used to be because before this I didn't realize that they actually had a resistance on Idun until Shale came back. Um so yeah, I'm 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 all in at this point. So whenever I was just the about next to mention I was just about- I was just about to mention Shale. So, like, I rewatched the uh, part one and then went straight into part two. Mm-hmm. And see, uh, part one was definitely Shale's show. He was yeah. the leader. Yeah. He, he, I don't know if I don't know if he got more screen time or not, but it felt like he did. Um, he he was running things, and yeah. he, he, you know, he led the way. It was great. He was brilliant. I, I actually really loved his character, mm-hmm. and it was. And I'd completely forgotten about how he died. So I'm glad I rewatched it mm-hmm. and to see that actually he didn't like you. you there, know, you there's said, no body. There's no body. There's no body. <laughs> so right. he, but the way it kind of came across is that his body had been sort of evaporated. Yeah. Um, because there was two lots of energies hitting him. But then he comes back in the final moments. And initially I didn't think it was him. I just thought it was some random person. And then as it was going on, the fact that his face was hidden, mm-hmm. I was like, this is Shale. This is hands yeah. down. This is Shale. Well, when Kurtash but... nodded at him, I was like, oh, that's Shale. It, that's hundred percent Shale. It's gotta be. And, and then, and then Shale said that Kurtash actually saved him. So, yeah. so Kurtash has been sort of wavering towards the good side then, even in the first part as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's been on, you know, and that's why I quite like Kurtash. He's more of a complex character than yes. initially he first appears because he, although on the surface he's, I'm the villain, I'm the villain, mm-hmm. you could, underneath it, he's obviously been fighting his demons. And, uh, and like you just said as well about this second part, I liked that they 
showed a lot more about people's origins mm-hmm. like um Kurtash they flashback to him as a child mm-hmm. um and how he became um sort of the hybrid himself mm-hmm. uh and then obviously talks about Jack and Victoria's um backgrounds as well about the unicorn and the dragon um I thought it was brilliant that actually Victoria's pretty much silent grandma has suddenly become a witch yeah um who also escaped from Indoon and so it, yeah, it had quite a good few sort of twists in the second half. Um, yeah, it's it's different. It's I think they're doing enough each time to keep me going. Yeah, like, want, wanting to know what's going to happen. Yeah, um, I didn't realize like that. This I knew it was based off a trilogy of Spanish books, um, but because of the way it was initially done, I thought that we'd covered more than one book. But actually, no, we've only covered one book. Mm-hmm. Um, and where what you said earlier about it's taken two and a half years to do ten episodes. I mean, are they working on the rest now? I guess we don't know. Hopefully they are. Yeah. So I'd love to know when we're going to get the next lot of episodes. Um, but I'd, I'd carry on going. Um, oh, yeah. I am I have to know at this point. Like, I, I I feel like I have passed the point of no return. Yeah. So if when the third part comes out, I'll be there for the third part too. And um, so in summary, in the first part, we gave this 2.5 out of five. Um, we, we were actually, our words were, we felt there was room for improvement. And there was, there has been improvement. Okay. Um, and we rated this three out of five. <laughs> There's been a marginal improvement. Yes. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, I think it kind of ba- it balanced out. Like there, there were some things that they did much better this time around. And then some things where it was just like, mm, I don't know about that. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, yeah, anyway, we'll move on to DC Comics Future State um, event. I think it's probably the best thing to call it. Yeah. So Jasmine and I, we don't read every comic, and we know that this this, this sort of event um, was teased in Death Metal Issue 7, which came out this week that neither of us read. Um, we, we read the first – well, we reviewed the first issue of Death Metal – I picked up the second issue, um, but neither of us could just get on board with Death Metal. It was fairly a mess, in our opinion, and fairly new. Uh, it was anti-new reader. It yeah, was it just... was too big for newbies. Yeah, and like we, I mean, I, I, I read DC books, but um, I, I don't read enough that I can get on board and know what's going on, like with, like with everything. And and Death Metal was definitely written for fans of DC. Like it was someone who would have to have massive history so with that said future state comics i think there's something we'll discuss as we go in do you need the history or not of these books mm-hmm. um because that's some of those things were things you asked me actually as we uh, you know as you because you read a couple of them so the first one we picked up was the next batman mm-hmm. and that was written by john ridley uh, illustrated by nick Darrington and colors by Tamara Bonvillain. I love that surname. That's a great surname. Yeah. <laughs> Tamara, honestly, Bonvillain. That's actually overall, that's a really cool name. Yeah. Like, she so. actually tweeted out uh, her process going from the line art that Nick sent to her adding the color. And she mm. made a, a GIF out of it. And it was, it's incredible to see the progress that goes into coloring these pages because that was one of my favorite things about reading the next batman is just the colors in this book are are fantastic i love the artwork in this book Mm -hmm. um 
there's actually a page later on. I'll come to it in a second, actually. Um, to be honest, there's so many pages I love. Right, okay. <laughs> so the next Batman is a chunky book, um, although I've just mentioned about how it's written by uh, John Ridley and um, Nick and Tamara, obviously illustrated. But it's a large book at $8 in America, and I think mm-hmm. it's like £6 something here. And that's a fairly chunky book. It's 64 pages, but it's three stories. So the first story is Batman. The second story is The Outsiders. And the third story is Arkham Knights. We'll, we'll cut, go over those. Um, however, it's I would say it's set roughly somewhere between five and ten years after the current Batman series that's running right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, this follows a new Batman who isn't revealed in this book. However, the news was leaked ages ago. So... You probably are well aware before this that Tim Fox is the new Batman. Mm-hmm. And when you read this, it is written in a way that the reader doesn't know who Batman is, which I kind of don't get considering they released a press release of who the Batman is. Yeah. So, but they heavily uh, imply that the new Batman is Luke Fox. So there's a particular scene between Luke and Tim where, like you just said, how heavily implied about it being Luke. And that scene, yeah, definitely. If I didn't, if I hadn't have seen that press release, I would definitely be leaning towards Luke being Batman. Yeah, um, because Luke spends a good deal of his time in, in the pages talking about Bruce, talking about Batman, talking about the Batman really have it this hard, this, that, and the other. Um, so it's it's obvious that Luke is in on on the details. So yeah, they do a really good job. And I was telling Mark before the podcast, I'm really glad we actually watched the first season of Batwoman because if we hadn't, I would not know who these characters were. Yeah. That so was- this is this comes down to when people pick up first issues, like th- these events are definitely going to create new reader interests. Like you know, you could have always had an interest in Batman, for instance, and. I've thought, oh, you know, I'd love to pick up Batman, but you don't want to pick up issue 103 because you're like, oh, well, you know, terrible timing. Um, but you think, well, next Batman, actually, it's a four-issue miniseries, essentially, because this is going to run throughout January and February. It's coming out twice a month. I, I might just pick this up. And you still would struggle going into this, knowing really without any kind of background. So the Fox family are the family that are the people that get most of the non-superhero screen time um okay so let's run through the sort of issue it would be difficult for me to not talk about art as we're going through this mm. like because I, I love the art and the colors actually really do suit the, yeah. the book uh i think it's a bit like you know when we were talking about monstrous in our book club about how would monstrous be monstrous if it wasn't illustrated um as fantastically as it is mm-hmm. and i think this book actually this batman book if it wasn't illustrated how it is but also the coloring yeah so although there are yellows in here and there are pinks in here and there are reds it's all it's almost got like this weird dark tint to everything like um it makes me think actually of the matrix i talked about earlier so when neo and everyone are in the matrix everything has a green tint to it Mm -hmm. like and everything has a dark tint to it in this in this book um even the action sequences where like batman's breaking a leg there's it's like against a pink background mm-hmm. and yes it's bright but everything else is dark like and it, it's done to emphasize actually just how tough batman is so 
five years from now, Batman is set in Gotham City, which, as you find out as you read all three stories, Gotham City has been completely sectioned off from the outside world. The Gotham PD are gone now. Um, essentially, they've either given up or been replaced by something called the Magistrates. Nobody gets in, nobody gets out of Gotham. And that the, the getting in and out actually is covered, at, um, which is really cool. It's covered in the second story of The Outsiders. So throughout the first story of Batman, we don't find out who Batman is. Um, however, you see Batman in several instances saving people's lives. And there's a really cool moment um, because they have a real strict rule, the magistrates, who are essentially the policemen. They're dressed in police outfits, but they're the magistrates. Um, they have this real strict anti-masks policy. So you have a mask, you get shot, you get killed. Like, no vigilantes. doesn't matter if you're a villain or a hero, no masks. So Batman saves um, somebody who's wearing a mask, and he's got their, his back to the policeman. And this is sort of the opening few pages. And as he, as he saves, this, um, as he's sort of saving this guy, and he's got his back to the, to the policeman, he takes the mask off. And the guy's like, you know, why are you saving my life? He's like, you know, even if you don't deserve, even if it's not worth saving, basically, he says. Um, so that's, this new Batman still has those same mor morales um mm -hmm. uh you know morality of saving every life doesn't matter whether it's hero or villain um which sucks because that guy was a rapist <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, no, i wasn't gonna go into the particular crime but like yeah yeah like yeah he is a rapist and yeah that, that man still saves me off but but Batman, i mean Batman, better than you know yeah. being murdered by the cops which you but, know is, it's a thing so i let, get it but I let's be it. honest let's be honest the rapist isn't going to do too well in prison so i think batman's probably delaying the inevitable um so rapists never tend to fare too well in prison so um but actually skip back a page i just want to talk about the art there's an amazing scene where batman is coming down from the sky and the moon is behind him as he's coming down on on the rapist and there's an amazing fight sequence between both of them. The illustration on this is just so good. Mm -hmm. I, I, I can't think of anything else that Nick Derrington's done, but I would look out for more of his stuff. Um, so that's when you get after that sort of fight sequence, you're introduced to the Fox family and, you know, there's a sequence between sort of Luke and his mum and, and then you're introduced to this gang who look like Bane wannabes. Um, They're like uh, Mexican wrestlers, but like with their with Bane Bane, bedazzled Bane masks. Yeah, it's a weird thing. It made me think of... Um, Luchadores, that's what they're called. Uh, it made me think of um, uh, the end of uh, season seven and eight of um, Arrow, where in the future with, they were fighting something similar as well to like um, this... Um, oh, that's it. They were fighting a gang of Deathstrokes. That's mm. what it reminded me of. Um, yeah, they were fighting a gang of Deathstrokes, and it made me think actually they're fighting a um, Batman's going to have to go up against a, ga uh, a gang of Banes. Mm -hmm. And I was like, this is very similar to what they did in Arrow, like a gang of Deathstrokes and a gang of Banes. Like, I guess maybe that's what happens in the future. You just you know, they're just going to multiply. Like, you know, like, um, so. As we know, like Tim is Batman, and you go to this hospital scene between Luke and Bam Tim, where they're arguing, and Tim is meant to be it. Well, the scene is portrayed that Tim is just down and out. You know, he's the the black sheep of the family, and Luke is very 
pro Batman, pro Bruce, pro family. Mm-hmm. Pro, you know, he, he he's like the you know, you could see him as the new Bruce Wayne and as the, as as the new Batman. It's been written very well that you can't tell what's going on. Um, like so in some ways, I really wish I didn't know who Batman was. <laughs> so, yeah, because I imagine that that reveal is going to be really like holy crap. Yeah, yeah. Like I I just can't. You know, I I kind of wish I didn't know. I, I, yeah, anyway, I do know, so it's a shame. Um, we come back to eventually come back to the sequence between the, the sort of the what do you call them? The uh, the gang, the the Bane gang, whatever. What did you say they were called? No, I'm saying they remind me of the Mexican luchadores. Oh, okay. Um, but so Batman does find them and it ends up in a, in quite a cool fight sequence and. You find um, the, uh, um, the the magistrates find them, and I love it. They're like they're wearing masks, locked targets. That is it. You know, mm-hmm. they're just there's no messing. You're wearing yeah, a mask, yeah, and then they open fire. I mean, it, there's no hesitation, no waiting, no nothing. No, no, it's pretty cool. Like, I mean, well, it's pretty cool sequence. Probably not pretty cool if you're wearing a mask. Um, and then you know how I said earlier about there's some really cool scenes. So Batman. The way he's standing on top of this building, holding one of the the Bane gang people. It's a kid, yeah. Some kids that were not quite initiated into the gang yet. And um, and then the other one, he's got tied up, hanging off the edge. And the whole, it's like one page. It's amazing. Mm -hmm. Like the illustration on this is really cool. um, And then then it does end on a bit of a cliffhanger. And I won't go into that now. I felt like that particular story was quite short, though. Um, I would like to have seen more Batman. Yeah. Um, I was I think disappointed it, it we didn't see of, who Batman was. So. Yeah, I think it sets the tone, though. Like, it's you can tell that this version of Batman, even though he's still brutal, is a little more concerned citizen than like Bruce Wayne's Batman. Hmm. Um, just just in the way that he actually talks to the people that he's apprehending. Um, so I can, I can see, or I can read the tonal shift in this Batman to give you the impression that he is definitely different than Bruce Wayne. Um, so I've, again, my issue with, with things like this is, you know, jumping in at the right point or, or being able to jump in and understand what's going on. But since this is a mini series, I think this could be something that I would continue just because, I've never seen a Gotham with a not I don't want to say gentle that's not the right word but like with with this version of Batman so I I want to see how this plays out he's sort of brutal and kind at the same time isn't he like brutal in his fights but right but still cares about the citizens of Gotham um I guess he's probably a Batman that's not as polished like he's an amazing fighter by the look of it Mm -hmm. um it's in some ways it's a shame that it is a four issue mini because I'd be more intrigued to see how he became Batman. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so and it's we, not we, until like at the very sort of I think halfway through you get a more clear picture of Batman, but you realize that his entire face is covered versus the normal just like head cowl like that covers just from like the bridge of the nose up. Uh, so yeah, it's. It's it's interesting. I'm I would I would I would carry on with this one. Yeah, I haven't actually 
realize yeah his face isn't shown that yeah something you never see the bottom half of his face and and then you realize like at that the scene that you were talking about that last page where it's the full page spread it, you can see that the cowl covers his entire face so yeah there's no way of finding out that he is not the original batman right which is, yeah like it's a, so with these future state books most of them are two two issues i think there's one that's three issues um this one is four issues. I think this this one and Dark Detective, I think, are the only ones that are four issues. Um, and not many of them do contain three stories in them. A lot of them are just solo stories. So moving on, Outsiders, which is written by Brandon Thomas and illustrated by Samit Kumar. Uh, the colours are also by Sumit Kula and Paul, um, sorry, Raul Fernandez. And this story, which I quite like, is that it's set on the borders of Gotham City. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's something I thought was quite cool about all three of these stories is that you're showing different parts of Gotham from mm-hmm. different points of view. So different points of view. So you've got Batman that's... Right. Same city, same the, time, same place, yeah. but different different parts of the city. Yeah. Yeah. So this, this shows Katana on the outside and literally does say outside Gotham. Um, I wouldn't say this is outsiders in terms of they're already and uh, they're not already together, um, but these are historic outsiders characters. So there was a recent outsiders book that went on, I believe, for about twenty issues that had Katana in it, the Signal, Black Lightning. Um, I can't remember who else was in it. I only read a couple of issues. So this story kind of contains those characters, but they are not the outsiders yet. Maybe they will become the outsiders. Um, so the signal is leaving Gotham uh, across the bridge and Katana is on the uh, sort of in the air of a jetpack, a jetpack. Honestly, she, her whole get up is so samurai. It's amazing. Like, yeah. like a samurai know, with a jetpack. Yeah, like that, that whole, that whole top half of that page. Where, yeah. Like you say, samurai with a jetpack is amazing. Um, and then you've got sort of Fast and the Furious going on the bottom, like you know, like he's been chased down by the magistrates. And, um, I, and his, I actually his do... name is Duke. Yeah, uh, Duke Thomas. Yeah, the signal. Yeah, the signal. Yeah, yeah. So he's a fairly new character. I think he was he was created by um, Scott Snyder during Scott Snyder's New Fifty Two run. Um, so yeah, I, I love it as well when Katana lands on the bridge. Honestly, like. Some of the artwork in this is so amazing. Like, um, but anyway, what I love is that Duke gets across the the borderline with these people. So he's trying to get some people out of Gotham to protect them and save their lives. Um, she lands on the bridge and she's like, "Look, you know, you can't cross this line, whatever." Yeah. Well, half um, of the people, like, there's the magistrates themselves know that they can't cross the line, but there's two idiots that have decided that they're going to ignore their commander's orders. And yeah. so you have the magistrate guys in the background that are like, no, stop, <laughs> like, let him go. And these yeah. two idiots are like, no, 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 we're too close. We're going to get him. And they're going like, to pay for that. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. And like, with her sword, and her sword just, just like, when they're shooting bullets at her and her sword just flicks everywhere and just stops mm-hmm. the bullets, uh, that's pretty cool. Like, and even they, like, even, so even the people that, um, uh, Duke is sneaking out, they're just, faces just drop and they're like, wow. Like, mm-hmm. so um yeah no it's it's pretty cool start really um and then 
yeah, it's sort of you get to see more of it. But I want to talk about this double page sequence, which is just her working her way through like a warehouse, mm-hmm. um, going from the top floor all the way down. Um, so it's all small illustrations um, as she's working her way through and just killing people. And oh, it's amazing. Like, and then she gets to the bottom to find this guy called Caliber, um, who's like a cyborg human. Um, yeah, so that's it's just. Oh, it's just so good. Like all of it, it's it, it does make you really think they are in the future. Mm-hmm. Just how how I think the, probably the feeling that I get from reading all of these is how freeing it must have been for the creative team to write these books, um, not tied to any other sort of continuity and to write characters that we kind of know. Mm-hmm. Um, and that and that's the feeling you get actually reading the Outsiders book. Um, and then Katana has a really cool fight with Calibar. I don't really want to ruin too much of it, but like that leads to, I guess, a twist because this, as I say, it, it's quite obvious what's happening. This black lightning appears during their fight sequence. <laughs> and then it ends with Jefferson Pierce showing up, who is now like a lightning construct. And they're like, what's happened to you? And so now we've seen like three members of the outsiders, black lightning, Katana and the signal. Mm-hmm. And, and that end, ends with a bit of a cliffhanger. Um, however, it does say it won't be continued this story until issue three of the next Batman. Mm-hmm. So I would assume that that is probably the final part of the outsiders will be in issue three. I would imagine that between the Batmans, uh, they're alternating these backup stories. Um, I'm, I would like to read more. I'm a bit disappointed just to read two parts. That would be all. So I'd like to read more of this. Yeah, this one um, it reminded me, I used to watch uh, a animated Batman. It was called Batman and Beware the Batman. Oh, yeah. Uh, and that one had Katana as a main character in it. And the soul taker sword that she had in that one was so wicked. It was like this gorgeous jade uh, sword. Um so I'm I'm always interested in more stories about Katana because I think that she deserved better than what we got to see in Suicide Squad as far as seeing her like in mainstream stuff. Uh, so I would definitely love more Katana stuff. I love that during during the Outsiders book, she constantly talks to the sword, um, mm-hmm. like like my husband would do this, my husband would do that, or and then she's like, oh, he doesn't know, he doesn't, you know, whatever. I keep referring to the sword. Like, and um, I love the interaction, just like her sword, as if it is a person with her, which which it is. It's the soul of her husband. Mm-hmm. Um, her dead husband is in the sword. Um, and yeah, she constantly. I love how she goes. Oh, my husband is a lot kinder, or whatever it is I am. However, I'm not. You know, mm-hmm. like and, and that, that interaction with her sword is pretty cool. Like you know, it's. I love. I love the mystical nature of Katana. She, you know, technology and magic all in one, as it, as it were. Like it's mm-hmm. a, Katana is an amazing character. It probably doesn't get the time, the screen time, and probably comic book time that she probably deserves. Yeah, so yeah, I, I'm. I probably would say of the three stories, Outsiders and Batman were the two I most enjoyed. Yeah, it, it ends with a story that I didn't really enjoy, um, which was actually following uh, the magistrates and this um, Arkham Knights team. Mm-hmm. Um, so we go back into Gotham, and and now you're like literally in the thick of it. 
Yeah. So it's illustrated, sorry, it's written by Paul Jenkins and illustrated by Jack Herbert. And the colors are by Gabe Eltib, I think. Um, I'll be honest, I, I didn't really enjoy this story. It, Arkham Knights, it was sort of a team of people um, led by some guy who looks like a. No, it's psych- a girl. Oh, is it a girl? Sorry, sorry, I kept, sorry. Uh, by it's like a real male suit with the A and everything, like the uh, um, it's like a Batman slash Captain America, yeah, mashup. Like, and I I don't know, I just, I I don't know, I didn't really enjoy it as much. Um, it's sort of the team is a hybrid of they're almost like villains, most of them, they all, yeah, they're all inmates from Arkham, and um, Clayface is in there, um, uh. What's it? Two Face uh-huh. as they're as they're hunting for Killer Croc, uh, Killer Croc, yeah. And um, but yeah, no, I, I I don't know, yeah. Just really in the thick of it, I just found it quite confusing the story, really. Um, I I just didn't really enjoy this one as much. Did you enjoy this one? Like, I've heard much? the name Arkham Knights before, but I didn't know anything about the Arkham Knights. Um, but I was intrigued because the leader is a woman. Her name is Astrid Arkham. She's the daughter of the guy who founded Arkham Asylum. Um, but what I love about the way that this is drawn is that she does not have boob armor. Oh, um, yeah, 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 yeah. Like in any kind of RPG video game you've ever played or anything, really. Like even in Iron Man, I think Pepper Potts' armor has like the boob armor. Um, so like when you first see her, you don't... It, I mean, unless you're familiar with Arkham Knights, like you don't know that this is a woman. She's she has this imposing frame. Um, she's got this badass shield, and like she just looks like she's about to mess somebody up real bad. Um, and then when you find out that her name is Astrid, I'm like, oh my god, this is so awesome! This is a woman, and she's managed to figure out a way to keep all of these Arkham inmates like collectively working as a cohesive unit not just set loose to you know run yeah, not like a suicide squad yeah. right exactly like they are actually a cohesive team so i thought that was really interesting um because you never ever see villains working together not not on this scale i, I think so one thing i thought was pretty cool was throughout this whole book you don't know where bruce wayne is right like all batman all the real batman and so when this story ends, this team is actually living in Wayne Manor. So mm-hmm. that again, that again leads to this mystery of where is Bruce Wayne? Where's Batman? So his 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 mansion is gone because they they've made this their base. His suit is obviously been worn by Tim Fox from the first story. So really, like, what what on earth happened to Batman? Um, so the thing I was a little bit disappointed about because Clayface had a recent story arc in Detective Comics, um, which was really cool, where he joined Batman and became like a hero. Um, so it was a bit disappointing to see him. I guess he's taking on a heroic role right now, but like you say, he's grouped up with a bunch of villains. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're, they're supposedly doing good. Like they, yeah. they have found a common enemy. So that whole age old adage of uh, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. So they, they realize that the magistrate is no good for Gotham, just like, you know, Batman and, and some of the other good guys do. So they know that fighting against the magistrate is in their best interest as well, but mm. they are still sworn enemies of Batman. <laughs> so <laughs> it's like, it's not all sunshine and rainbows, but uh, 
I, I mean, th- this is my first introduction to Arkham Knights. So I, I think that whole dynamic is interesting. And I, would I specifically seek out more stories like this? No, but if I pick up the next issue of Batman and there's another Arkham Knight story in it, I would, I'd be happy to read it. Yeah, I, yeah, I'd like to say I'd carry on reading it, but I, I don't know, I didn't really enjoy it that much. And it says it's going to be continued in issue three. So I assume that's the final part again. Um, yeah, this was the one I enjoyed the least. I I definitely enjoyed the Batman story and the Outsiders, but I don't know. The Arkham Knights one I wasn't as into. It's probably why I didn't remember everything that was in it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, uh, I, I think I felt like it was a bit of a blur as I was reading it. So, But then that's just my taste. It wasn't Yeah, but me, this was also so. the one that was like action, 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 action. There was never a break in the action in this one until yeah. the very... Sort of at the end where she's talking to Dr. Phosphorus about um, his treatment. But, mm. yeah. What I did like, though, about this book was, I'm not going to say I like the price because I didn't. Um, however, you do get three stories and they're not, they're not like, they don't skimp. There's three yeah. good stories in there. Um, I like the idea of this book. I can imagine for someone who is a massive Batman fan, been able to pick up a book that actually gives three different points of view for something that's going on is a pretty cool concept mm-hmm. so i thought i thought that was unique in its in its in its sense like um i think it's a good concept and i would like to see it done maybe more but not not i wouldn't want to do it like monthly but it would be cool to see different event books like this where you could pick up one book yeah that, that can tell a story from different points of view yeah um, i mean i i like event books because it has an ending yeah and i i think that's that's probably the biggest turnoff for comics for a lot of people is like once i start reading this like you know am i locked in for the rest <laughs> of my life yeah uh, so like i said since future state is kind of going to be done and dusted by march then i would consider keeping up with these because i know that i'm only looking at you know a two-month commitment yeah well that's where a lot a lot of independent comics eventually come to an end as well mm-hmm. um but with this this isn't like an event book like um like king in black or empire it's not yeah. them going up against some alien or whatever it is it's not like um yeah. it's not it's like a, a, it's summer- a break in the norm it's not a summer blockbuster where yeah. event books are, but yeah, like you say, it's a break in the norm. They've stopped all the mainline DC comics to release these books. Um, and I, I, yeah, I really enjoyed the next Batman. I thought, I thought it was good. And, uh, you know, to, to like two out of three stories and the fact that on the next issue two, which is coming out in two weeks time, um, will be the Batman story continued, but then we'll be alternating out those two books, uh, two backup stories with something else mm-hmm. to show something else that's going on in the Batman world. So that's where it intrigues me, like, to pick up a Batman book and then to have different characters who, like Outsiders obviously doesn't get the same readership that a main Batman title would get. But by sticking it in a Batman book... right. Those it's going to get more that, eyes. Yeah. yeah, it's going to get more eyes. So the, the idea of it's good. So maybe if they trim the price down to maybe, say, $5 or something like that and just have one backup story, like, you know, you could get around that being in maybe even in an ongoing. So I can imagine 
you know, if DC are going to see the money that this has generated, are they going to think actually this could be something that we'll do ongoing? Mm-hmm. I wouldn't want to, I wouldn't be down with paying $8 an issue, but if they, well, not, yeah, not when they're doing two a month. Yeah. yeah. Like, um, but yeah, no, the concept's pretty cool. And I'd like to see them play around with that concept. If it means more characters, like you say, with Katana could get more screen time mm-hmm. uh, or, or page time. Um, so um the next book that we both picked up was Wonder Woman. Do you, do you want to talk more about Wonder Woman and then I'll... Oh, uh, I loved this book because I love Joelle Jones. Um, and the way that she brings Yara Floor to life is so different. Like, it's it's obviously a very different version of Wonder Woman than we're all used to. If you're, if, you know, different from Diana, different from Nubia, different from, from the other Wonder Women. And it's it's so fresh and surprisingly funny. Um, this book had to me like a lot of snark and it was, it was really interesting because it kind of takes on like the Greek mythology theme, but from a completely different angle, like mm. Yara Flor is Brazilian. Um, and so like she's, it, the book starts off with her fighting this uh, Hydra <laughs> And she, she rides Pegasus, well, a Pegasus-like creature. Um, so she has a flying horse. Um, she goes to the underworld with a pixie or an imp. I don't know what that thing is that she travels oh, to the man. underworld with. But, like, the story, it just, it's a very familiar story. Like, we all know about, you know, paying your way to the ferryman to get across to, to the land of the dead. And, like, it's all stuff that we're very familiar with, but some of the main characters are, are new. So it's almost like the, the, it starts out with Yara saying, you know, I'm, you know, I, I kill this Hydra and I'm going to take this damn Hydra's horn because I'm walking into hell and I'm going to go talk to Hades and I'm going to tell him to give me my sister back. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's when the imp is like, um, well, first of all, you can't take the horn. And Yara is like, yeah, watch me. So then they fight and she's like, don't take the horn and I will just go, I'll go ahead and I'll take you to the underworld. And so they go to this place. No joke. It's a freaking airport. <laughs> like you walk in, you have like security, you have to wait in line. They have like a, a passport check or something like that. Um, it's just, it's really kind of funny. Cause it's like, it's again, same concept that so many people are familiar with. Even if you've never ever picked up a comic in your life, if you've ever gone to any kind of public school, you have read some sort of Greek mythology. Um, so the whole sequence of them getting through the quote unquote airport to the the ferryman, um, it's, it's just really fun. Like this, to me, this book seems so fun. And it looks like Yara has a good time when she's doing what she needs to be doing. So she doesn't... Um, it doesn't quite seem as heavy, like almost like, um, you know, I'm sure saving her sister is obviously very important, but it, it doesn't have so far the world ending implications that like, you know, the main Wonder Woman storyline has where it's like, oh man, I gotta, I gotta fight this or else this guy's gonna explode the whole earth, you know? Um, so to take, to take the Wonder Woman character and breathe new life into it, um, it, it doesn't feel like Wonder Woman at all. So I think that, and, and I don't mean that like in a bad way. It just, it, it's fun. Like this, I, I read this book and I'm pretty sure I smiled all the way through it. Like it was, it was that kind of book where I was like, I like this chick. She's, she's, she's pretty cool. 
you know, I, yeah, I love, I agree with you. I love this book. Like literally from the front cover, uh-huh. like, and Joe jo Jones illustrated, wrote yeah. all of this. Um, uh, and she's assist- so expressive. Like the way that Joelle draws her, her female characters, they're all so expressive. And I think that's part of the, the great thing about this book is Yara looks like she's having fun the entire time. It's so it's, it's, she's having fun. So as a reader, I'm having fun with it. Um, so yeah, I, I enjoy it. I can't wait for the, for the next one of this one. I, I really enjoyed it. I think from, I just think like the illustration is just amazing. She's mm-hmm. obviously been given complete freedom, time, I don't know how long ago she illustrated all of this. I would imagine the deadlines were maybe a little bit longer, you know, because I know some of this was carved up from things that they were told to do earlier in the year Mm. um, with the sort of the 5G uh, relaunch that never happened. These were ideas that were put together from that relaunch that didn't happen. But the artwork is amazing. I love it from the the first page where you just see Mm -hmm. Yara Flora's face through the leaves. and this is Yara Flora's first book, literally. Yeah. This is the first. So you don't need to know anything about Yara Flora. This is it. Um, apparently, she did get a cameo in. Yeah, Death she has Metal a cameo 7. in the, the final death metal book. But yeah, um, but, yeah this but is the, her first book. But you don't need to. I mean, hopefully, you don't need to read death metal. But yeah, you wouldn't. Uh, to be honest, this book, you just come into it. And like that fight sequence at the beginning that you mentioned, mm-hmm. I love it when you said about the cheekiness. I love it when she turns around after she's killed it and goes, Well, that was anticlimactic. And yeah. I was like, <laughs> I was like, you've just had this massive brutal scene and so yeah. cocky, so cocky and confident. Yeah. And uh, so we've really walked into a Wonder Woman book here. She is, she's had obviously her experience. We've missed all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we've missed all the years of her being Wonder Girl and walked in on her being being Wonder Woman. Yeah. And like you say, that cheeky little imp thing that she has relate uh, relationship with. Mm-hmm. And and they, they go have gotten into, into trouble together before. So oh, yeah, yeah. even their banter is hilarious. I thought and when they like you say when they went into like an airport sequence which is they you know referred to as the underworld mm-hmm. and she has to sneak into well essentially hell mm-hmm. um and get through these three headed dog um Cerberus she, and she's getting more and more impatient mm-hmm. and like in the end just breaks the uh the bar to the turnstile yeah the turnstile, that's it, yeah. <laughs> so it breaks the turnstile to get in and then she just glances back and that dog opens one eye and then closes its eye again and then she yeah. like carries on walking um but like you said the ferryman thing like even that was pretty cool how she nicked nicked yeah a coin she took some other dude's coins because so, <laughs> the imp was like look i told you i would get you here i didn't tell you i was gonna pay your way too <laughs> so it's like it's there's so much attitude in this book um and the personalities are so big, like, and and the way that they, they kind of explain some of the backstory is while she's fighting the Hydra, there's there's the dialogue boxes that are talking about, you know, Earth with the gods and and the humans and how they fought and how they intermingled and how that's how we got, you know, some of the people that we have now is because gods and humans were having babies and so they they're kind of explaining the backstory like as an overlay to the action sequences so it's it almost felt too short to me like i, I enjoyed this book so much that when i got to the last page i was like oh damn that's i oh, know that's what i thought yeah like the same thing when it's finished i was like oh 
And then, do you know, when it finishes, there's like a checklist of all the future state books on the next mm-hmm. page. And I quickly glanced down. I was like, how many issues is this? And it's only two? Yeah, two it's issues. only two. I was really bummed. Oh, no. I was like, oh, it's like the Batman one's got th- four issues and this one's yeah. getting two. Yeah. Like, I think there's talk of um, there being a Wonder Girl um, comic or something with Joel Jones. I'm, I, I, I'm maybe making that up, but... Um, but I know that this is uh, the Yara Flora Wonder Woman is the girl that they're talking about getting her own CW TV series. Yes. Um, so I am interested in that TV series even more now. After oh, yeah, for this. sure. Like, um, this, this book was a lot of fun. I mean, I, I enjoyed this book more than I did the Batman um, just because it's it's a totally different tone. It's really light. It's snarky. It's funny. Um, and it's rare that I will read uh, something and actually laugh out loud while I'm reading it. Um, and this book definitely had several of those moments where it was just kind of, it, it's, I keep saying fun, but like, it's, it's just, it's cheeky and it's fun and it's entertaining. I just, I really enjoyed this book. Instantly fell in love with all of the characters. I, I, I love it. Like that, and that last page where Yara Flora turns around and there's that, um, three-headed dog yep. again, like, um, <laughs> But you know the oh, Jarrell Jones, honestly, she can draw. Like yeah, she she's can phenomenal. Really... I have liked her oh, for a very, very long time. So her name alone is enough to get me to pick something up. Now, whether or not I like what what happens is a different story. But like anytime I see her name on something, I'll pick it up. Oh yeah, I she did um the current Catwoman book. She was illustrate um, illustrating and writing that and um. I didn't read it all. I read the first four issues, but I tell you what, it's making me now want to look for more of her artwork. Mm-hmm. I'm telling you, you should read the Lady Killers. That's a great series. Oh, I've not, no, I've not done that. No, I yeah. All right, well, I will bear in mind because her artwork is phenomenal. Um, yeah, this you know, I'm glad to pick this up. I don't read Wonder Woman, and no, I wasn't going to. I, I wasn't going to pick this up, but it's only because you said like I'm gonna. I'm really excited about it, and I was like, mm-hmm. okay, go on, then I'll do it. Um, so I, ca- I carried on and read a couple more future state books. Um, uh, Jasmine read just those two. Um, but I think you might go back and pick up one of the ones I'm about to mention. Um, I'm probably not about to sell you on the other one. <laughs> yeah. um, I'm probably not going to be able to sell anyone on it. I guess, uh, as I heard somebody once say, I read it so you didn't have to. Um, <laughs> so I have read opposite reviews of my opinion online and uh, yeah, so the next book I picked up was Superman Metropolis, which was six dollars uh, in America, probably about four pounds something over here. Um, and this contains three stories, which I find weird that this contains three stories yet was cheaper than Batman. Um, however, it contains three terrible stories. Uh, <laughs> so this follows Jonathan Kent, who is now the prime Superman. And we don't know what's happened to our favorite Superman, Kal-El or Clark Kent. Um, And it says on the front cover featuring Jonathan Kent, Guardian and Mr. Miracle. So the first story, I mean, okay. So it's written by Sean Lewis. Artist is John Timms and the colorist is Gabe Eta L. Tabe. who did Arkham Knights as well. Um, okay, so he was a busy man this month. Um, it's set. 
I kind of feel like this is a bit like the whole death metal thing where you're dropped right in the middle of stuff and you don't really know what's going on. Mm-hmm. So you're dropped right in the middle of a battle between some soldiers and this weird thing, which is a bit like related to Brainiac uh, called Brain Cells, which is a terrible name. Um, <laughs> and then basically, basically there's going to be like a big battle of Metropolis and Brain Cells. And I was, I was really confused by everything that was going on. But then Jonathan decides in his brightest mind to take Metropolis and put it into essentially a bottle. And he like, you know, I mean, there's been these bottle stories before uh, that Superman's done over the years. And basically he, he steals Metropolis and puts it into a bubble and flies off to his, um, his uh, little, sol- uh, was it his, um, Superman base, I forget the name of it. So, uh, the Cave of Solitude or something like that. Yeah, but it's all in ice now. Yeah, it's solitude, whatever it is. But anyway, um, and then he's got this brain cells thing. He's taking it with him. Um, Fortress the- of Solitude. Fortress of Solitude, that's it. Like, um, <laughs> and then Supergirl rocks up now, which I find a little bit weird because she's got her own book coming out in a couple of weeks where she's referred to as Superwoman, but he calls her Supergirl. She you can tell by her appearance is a lot more mature and grown up. And um, actually I really love her outfit. It's pretty cool. Um, she rocks up and says something along the lines of, please tell me this isn't true. Um, you know, blah, blah, blah. And she, he says, yep, it is. And um, he decks, uh, she decks him basically gives him a punch. Uh, a lot of blood flies out. Um And then they kind of end up in a little battle with the soldiers. There's a bit of a flashback. Uh, then it goes back to some more fighting between Jonathan and, and Supergirl, and then they end up fighting something else. And then somebody comes along and steals Metropolis right from under his nose. Um, and then as it ends, oh, my God, Metropolis, what have I done? Um, and I just thought, you know, what, what am I supposed to be impressed here? You've introduced us to a brand-new Superman who... And the first like thing it, he does is lose the whole damn city. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, this is, this is you know, it, the Jonathan Kent that we've seen in the comics now, even written by Bendis, wouldn't probably make this mistake. Like, I mean, you know, he he, he negotiated. Um, so Jonathan Kent in the recent Superman books negotiated like um, an armistice between various alien planets that were going to war and created this federation of planets that like a like a essentially like a g8 but in space like how is it that jonathan kent managed to negotiate as a boy uh, a treaty between how many alien planets um goes and he also joined the legion of superheroes in the future and and all this other wonderful stuff and he would have had all these years of training if this is five ten years from now and his big and he, and like 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 we just pick up this issue and his ultimate mistake is to lose the whole damn city, like you said. Like I just I don't know. I was like, nah. I was like, this this is just awful. <laughs> there's been there's no thought been put into this. Somebody just thought, what's the coolest and biggest thing I can do? I will lose the city. Let's somehow make Jonathan responsible. Like you know, I would have much preferred it if it had been the villain and Jonathan had to save the city. That would have been something. Um, the second story by uh, is is Mr. Miracle, which I'll be honest, it was so bad I couldn't even finish it. Um, <laughs> the artwork is just horrendous, and I I, I don't know, it's just crap. Like, yeah. 
Um, third story is uh, a part of me likes this story because of the whole concept of three stories in one book showing different angles. So that's like, like we said about Batman. I kind of liked this because of that concept. However, it's been implemented badly in terms of the illustration and the writing. Um, so this is set six months after the city has been put in a bottle, which I thought was cool. So it's showing the people inside the city. So we meet um, uh, an older uh, Jimmy and this story is uh, The Guardian. Um, so this is uh, written by Sean Lewis and art is by Cully Hamner, uh, Michael Oming and coloured by Laura Martin. And the story shows Guardian essentially dealing with people in Metropolis and he's kind of showing how the people have been surviving being in this bubble for the last six months and there's a story storyline where Jimmy gets sort of kidnapped and goes missing and he has to save him and I mean the artwork is not for me I'm not really a fan of it I mean I can see it's arming style um I, I like like I say I like the concept that you get to see what's going on in the bottle city but it wasn't a story I was particularly interested in. Mm-hmm. The Guardians and the Guardians are not a character I'm overly interested in either. Um, I don't know. It wasn't really for me. So um, <laughs> it's not a book I would recommend. Um, oh, the one good thing I would say about this book is the cover. Uh, the cover is fantastic. And actually, the cover is what got me mainly interested in this book. Mm-hmm. So, great cover. <laughs> <laughs> that's um, that's the verdict on that one good cover yeah, yeah great cover yeah yeah i mean like i say it wasn't yeah i don't know it wasn't for me um the next book i picked up there was a couple of others that came out i wish i had time to read them all but the other one i read was um swamp thing and that's written by ram v uh illustrated by mike perkins and colored by june chong and this book is fantastic. This is actually probably out of all four books, probably the best one. Um, so each future shock book is set sometime in the future. I think probably the Batman's, the Wonder Woman's, the Flashes, from what I can see, are set around the same time because some of them do kind of interlink and there's a Justice League book and it does have them all on the front cover. Most of the young people, like the new Superman, the new Wonder Woman, the new Batman are all on the front cover of Justice League. Um, So I would assume all those books are set in the same world. However, this Swamp Thing book is set, I want to say thousands of years in the future, thousands and thousands of years. Um, So Swamp Thing has created his own sort of swamp people and they're, you know, bits of him have either come across, have fallen away from him, or maybe he's deliberately sort of created um, his own society. And you can see, like, it almost is a little bit apocalyptic. So the Statue of Liberty is completely covered in in growth and... um, the, the, the scenes of them in Manhattan actually like and you can just see the undergrowth everywhere so I've, I've never read a Swamp Thing book before um, I've always heard really good things about Swamp Things uh, a lot of people talk about Scott Snyder's Swamp Thing run from the New 52 mm-hmm. um, yeah so there's a, there's actually a scene in Manhattan, um, Manhattan it looks like Swamp Thing is actually set in the year 4500 oh wow so 
So yeah, so there is actually a sort of primer book that does an explainer for all of the future state stuff. It is free. Um, it, uh, I don't know if you can pick it up locally in your local comic shops, but if you're on Comixology, the book is free. It is called DC Nation Presents DC Future State. So if you are trying to get into Future State and you want to have a little background on it, this free little book has tons and tons of background information. So it gives you timelines. It tells you when some of the certain books are taking places and it gives you a checklist of every single book that's going to be coming out during the future state. Um, so I wish I'd have probably read that before this, but yeah, I'll have a look at that. But the, honestly, the illustration in this book is actually some of the best art I've seen in years mm-hmm. uh, in a superhero comic. And he's, he's created the society of swamp people and I want to say, like, it just makes me think of there was, a, there, there was, it kind of made me think a bit of like the Bible in some senses because you had like almost like he's become, although he doesn't act like a god sort of thing, he has kind of become one because he has created essentially a race of people mm-hmm. uh, or, or a race of swamp people. And well, you've got different swamp people that are clearly hanging off every word he's saying. And then you've got um, this one particular character who, it kind of makes me think of like the Lucifer type character. He is sort of putting doubts in people's minds. I said Indigo, he goes by the name. And he, he's kind of putting doubts in their minds and, you know, like, you know, don't, you know, like, you know, he's kind of sort of don't listen to what he's saying and he doesn't care about us. Like he's saying he cares about us and, mm-hmm. you know, all this kind of stuff. And so Swamp Thing, his main agenda is that he wants to find humans. So there's no humans left on earth that, that, that yeah, that's the premise of this is, and something talk, talks about the marvels of what humans have done. You know, from our time on Earth, the things mm-hmm. we've created, and you know, I guess opening on a page like the, like the Statue of Liberty, um, and he's desperate to find them. And and what I because I, again, I don't know that much about something. Well, there's some really cool moments where he's touching the ground and he can tell that it's raining in another part of the world and there's a storm that's six days away and all this kind of stuff mm-hmm. and then one of the characters goes to him are you using the trees again to look for humans and he said yes i am blah 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 and so i even thought to myself if he's attached to all life on earth mm-hmm. like all all like plant life essentially which is everywhere there's no way humans are near plant life. And the only place there's no plant life is normally where there's like icy territory. Um, So as the book comes to a close, some of his swamp people do come across a human and it is in like sort of some cold, cold place and um, like snowy. And he ends up killing one of these swamp people and swamp thing defends the human saying, he doesn't know who we are. He doesn't understand what we're saying. Mm-hmm. So he goes in and he go, he says, "I will speak to him in a in a in a voice he understands." And they sit down together and and you know they they sort of talk to each other. And then this human tells him about how actually he needs needs his help. Um, so I was like, "This is actually pretty cool." Like the whole the whole thing. And then the human um, then it starts to go off in like text boxes. And he starts talking about all these other humans that about this about this research base. Um, so, like, I won't say any more than that. But it was a really cool <laughs> book. Um, I would really recommend it. It's, and again, like you just said, 
it's only a two-parter. Mm-hmm. So, however, Ram V is going to get a Swamp Thing series starting in March in ah. the current current sort of, I guess, in the current timeline. Um, yeah, not two thousand years from now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Um, but like you just said, obviously the trouble with a lot of these books is they never end. Um, yeah. So it depends if you want to book an ongoing. But um, if you wanted to read a two-parter, this is a book that I think you would enjoy. Good to know. You, I, you, you might have sold me on that one. I think I'm going to pick that one up next week when I pick up the Immortal Wonder Woman. Um, okay, so we decided not to write individual issues here. Um, we just thought we'd take a unique approach here and rate future state week one of what we'd read we know that there was harley quinn and the flash we didn't pick up everything but from what we read we gave future state four out of five yeah um we thought it was a unique concept a quite a good event that they've put together and we're, we're, we're enjoying it so yeah the it the cost of entry was minimal i did not feel left out or behind even characters that I didn't know, like the Arkham Knights, it, the story that they're telling now did not feel like a story that I needed all of the Arkham Knights background to enjoy. Yeah, I think it's probably, other than Superman Metropolis is definitely not new reader friendly at all. Um, but other than that, the rest of it was Swamp Thing and the Wonder, Girl, uh, Wonder Woman book were, were completely new reader friendly, I would say. Yeah. Um, Batman not so much read new reader friendly but i think there's enough in there that you can jump into it with not knowing too much so um i guess batman's got a much longer history yeah. um but also but that also has positives a much longer history that they can pull stuff from which they have with tim fox mm-hmm. so um okay so that brings future state to a close now just before um, Christmas, myself and Jasmine and um, someone who's guest on our podcast a couple of times, Stephen Fox, we collaborated and put together a top 10 list uh, of comics for 2020. Um, that includes loads of independent books on there. I think it includes five image books. Um, was it four, four image books? I like four or five image books. Um, I'm not going to go through the entire top 10 now, but you can go to our Geeks Unleashed website and you can check out the entire top 10 and i will tease you slightly um by revealing that issue 10 was can't kill cade issue 9 was sea of sorrows ah, which we did review yep and issue 8 was the only webcomic entry and that was the power skull Issue seven was Venom, which I loved uh, fantastically <laughs> last year, and especially with its uh, King in Black lead-in. Issue six, well, not issue, uh, number six, was the entire pulp graphic novel, which was an original graphic novel that came out last year. And again, we reviewed that on our podcast. Yeah. And I will stop there. And if you would like to know what numbers five through one are, Check out right. our website. And you know you do. Hit us up. <laughs> we are found online at bgeeksunleashed.com. So normally we end the episode with recommendations. We decided that as it's our first episode of the year, we're going to just kind of give more than one recommendation um, with our highlights of 2020. Um, we were kind of both reflecting on what we really enjoyed last year. Um, 
The only movie I saw in the cinema last year was 1917. So I've got, <laughs> I, I've got, I've got to say that's very unusual for me. I go to the cinema quite a lot normally. Yeah, yeah. Um, I love going to the cinema. I'm a definite cinema goer. I love a big budget action film. I'm not, I'm not just saying only films that should be seen in the cinema, but if if you're going to see a film on the cinema, it should be the action and the big budget films. And seeing 1917 on the big screen was amazing. Oh, absolutely amazing. I loved it. It was great. Yeah. And just, yeah, it was, it was a fan. It was a fantastic film, obviously very sad. Um, but it was just to see that on the big screen was spectacular. Um, I remember going with a group of friends to see that and, um, just at the end, just how eerie it was, like, every, you know, just the silence that sort of swept over the mm-hmm. the, the movie theatre when it sort of ended at the end. Um, so that would have been, what, February or March? I think it was in February. Yeah. Yeah, it was in February, yeah. Yeah. Um, it probably was early February because I moved to house at the end of February, so it was before that. Um, yes. Yeah, but I'm, sad, I'm really. like you. I only saw one movie in theatres uh, last year, and it was uh, My Hero Academia heroes rising <laughs> but i saw it when um in that kind of theater where the seats move where it's like a 4d experience oh, um, i've done that before oh man i can't imagine doing that for a movie that's longer than an hour and a half like 90 <laughs> minutes of bumping up and down and and mist spraying out at you and oh, oh it man. must be amazing yeah like it's i imagine it's like riding a universal ride for an hour and a half um it was it was a lot of fun but it was also very like by the time the movie was over i'm like oh, oh my god that, i'm ready to be done was that like an imax thing or like that, um, I, I kind of. so like they have theaters here that they have I can't remember what it's called, but I, I think they do call it some kind of like 4D experience. I don't think the movie was in 3D, uh, but the so the seats are are timed to move with the film. So like if somebody is flying through the air, your seat is vibrating. If they turn left, your seat is going to go left. Um, oh, okay. So the, the seats go up and down and forward and back and side to side. They vibrate. The seat in front of you sprays out at you so if it's like (laughs) if it's raining then there's a mist that comes out they have these other like wind that'll rush through the theater if it's like a a windy scene so it's a whole like interactive movie experience so it was perfect for an anime movie um but i can't imagine doing that for like i said for any any movie longer than an hour and a half i think you would start to have some trouble just because, like, your your body is literally vibrating for an hour and a half. Oh, I'd love to look that up. That would be... Yeah, it's, See, it's quite I, an expensive I don't know ticket. It's like $22 here. Um, oh, yeah, you so... wouldn't want to go every week. But, oh, uh... yeah, no. But yeah, so I can, that would be a pretty cool experience, though. I might Google and see if there is something like that. Yeah, I've yeah, always do... wanted to try it. We have um, these um, cinemas over here, which... Um, a bit pricier ticket as well and you go into the cinema and i've only done it once but you go into the cinema and you can sit on a sofa um like a proper nice real comfortable sofa and there's two of you can sit on a sofa um and you can order food and drink which will be brought to you yeah um and you can have a table in front of you as you're sitting down this quite oh, we've got those all over the place here and um and but i remember like the only time i went and saw it was probably two or three years ago and the guy at the front i remember him it was a cold day and he said look we've got a whole pile of blankets here at the front if anyone wants them if everyone's cold and i went with my daughter went and saw um the lego batman movie mm-hmm. um and she straight away like jumped out of her seat and ran and got a blanket 
Um, and it was quite nice because like when we were watching it, she sort of just cuddled up with me and we had the blanket and, yeah. and like the guy, I don't know, 20 minutes in brought a pizza out to us and, yeah. um, and like, and I was drinking like an alcoholic drink while I was watching it. And, um, it was pretty cool. Like, I, mean, I know they, those things are more common, but the ticket prices of those are a little bit more expensive. So I wouldn't go there necessarily to see every film, but, um, I was thinking, uh, talking about movies though, like, Obviously, only saw one in the theatre, but <laughs> but there were some other good films, and I think the streaming services did keep us going, or the pay, even or pay per views as well, because I, I assume some of these probably would have gone to the cinema. Um, well, um, I think Love and Monsters would have gone, but I, I sort of took a note of things I enjoyed last year. I probably would. I've written down what I think was probably some of my favorite movies. And I would say soul that came out on Disney plus on Christmas day. Um, and I think that was actually really nice that Disney released out, save that for Christmas day for everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was, so my family, um, like my wife and my kids, we all watched that on Christmas day. And that was a nice to have, it was nice to have a new film to watch on Christmas day. And it was just a really lovely family film. And in honesty, adults could watch this and that's what i keep saying to people adults can watch this and mm-hmm. not because cause I, I keep trying to sell my mom and dad on it and they're like no it's animated I'm no, like, no i mean pixar like, I, I regardless of the audience that pixar is trying to reach there has never been a pixar movie where i left and i was like that was too childish no, no adults no. love pixar movies i was having this conversation earlier with my family and they were like no i was like no i was like no look it's because it's animated it doesn't mean it's not a good film like so I feel my all my family were refusing to watch Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse because it's animated. Ah, and, uh, I was good. like, oh, you've got to watch it. It's like anyway, so Soul, I like, think is was amazing. I actually, although I wouldn't say it's Oscar worthy, well, probably none of these are Oscar worthy, but like Love of Monsters, I really love that film. That it was, was such surprisingly a surprisingly good, good. It was a very different and unique twist on the zombie genre. I didn't think it was gonna be good. And then I went into it and I was like, actually i'm enjoying this yeah like i i kind of just put it on just for something to watch and i was like as we're getting into it i'm like actually this is becoming much more enjoyable than i thought yeah um and the other two films i enjoyed were project power um and old god and mm-hmm. um, we both reviewed those um from netflix yeah both from netflix um tv series is i enjoyed last year uh which i would really recommend people if you've not watched three seasons of Ozark, I know it sounds a lot. It's 10 episodes a season, but it's so good. So good. You know, we were talking about earlier in uh, Matrix with the colouring, like uh-huh. being tint- tinted green when they're in the Matrix. Where the whole of Ozark seems to have like a tint to it, like like a dark tint on the, like it's almost like there's a tint being put on the camera screen, on the cameras. Mm-hmm. And um, like, so Ozark is money laundering um and in the ozarks and these people were money laundering living it big time something goes wrong and they with their drug dealing friends um in uh, mexico and they negotiate a new deal with them um (laughs) uh, and they end up going to the ozarks and every season kind of ends with them achieving their goal However, you spend 10 episodes where you'd really watch this family go through like a horrendous journey to get from episode one to the net to the final episode of each season. But yes, it's, I'd really recommend those arcs. I think it was really good. And in terms of like the family, like I say, it's a mum and dad and a, a 
daughter and a son that end up going out there and their children end up, they don't, they don't get involved in the business, but they are aware of the business and aware that their parents are, are essentially working for a cartel. Um, and there have been times where the, the family have ended up having to help them. So yeah, it's pretty, it's a pretty cool series, but season three came out this year. Sorry, came out last year. And um yeah, I watched that all within a couple of days. It was so good. Um, Gangs of London as well. We reviewed the first few episodes, but I, I carried on watching that. And it starts as gangs, but as the show goes on, there's another player that becomes very predominant in the final episode. And I really want to know what's going to happen in season two. Like, yeah. It's it's now much bigger than gangs. So um, dun, dun, dun. Yeah, um, last three shows I write down as shows I'd really recommend would be Queen's Gambit, which is a miniseries on Netflix. And I know people might go, oh, it's about chess, but it's nice, so good. It's just beautiful. Um, Mandalorian season two that came out probably in the last couple of months of 2020. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's definitely an improvement over season one. Um, I think my wife said to me the one thing she really didn't like about season one was how slow it was. And mm. I agree, it was extremely slow. But the back half of season two, it's, it's actually felt like watching a Star Wars movie. It was so good. Mm-hmm. It really was. The last two episodes, honestly, I, I watched those back to back. I'm glad I watched them back to back. It, it honestly was like, it felt like watching a Star Wars movie without like a Death Star or anything like that. It was, it was just brilliant. Um, and the last show I recommend as well would be Westworld. Um, season three came out last year. Uh, and what I really liked about Westworld was that they are now out of Westworld. Mm-hmm. And um, they are. And that's the one thing I kept wondering throughout season one and two was what does the real world look like out of Westworld? And we got to find out and see what they, what they do once they get out. And um, oh, it's, it's just, it's a really good show. And it's a really high budget sci-fi show. So those are sort of my TV recommendations and um, you can check out our comment recommendations, obviously in our top 20, a top 10 thing. So what about yourself? Is there any other things you want to add in? My 2020 obsession, in case you could not tell from the 30 episodes of the podcast that we did in 2020 uh, was anime. Uh, I had watched a couple of anime series before 2020, but nothing like I watched a couple of classics, like I had watched uh, Samurai Champloo and Cowboy Bebop, but I had never watched any kind of like regular or current anime. So in 2020, once the first lockdown hit in March, I started a binge I, and I call it my Corona May binge. Um, so by the end of 2020, I had watched 52 anime series. A few of them I dropped because I was not interested Uh, I have finished 40 and a handful are still kind of ongoing. So my entire 2020 was consumed with anime. Uh, One of my favorite anime uh, that was new this year was Jujutsu Kaisen. Uh, It's like this supernatural anime about fighting demons and oh, it's so good. The the fight choreography in it is great. The dialogue is great. Um, Another anime that I ended up loving was a sports anime, Haikyuu. Um, it, it's really, really great. It's really entertaining. It reminds me of my days when I used to play volleyball. Um, and another anime that I really loved is Fruits Basket. 
It's incredibly sweet. It, it has so much heart. Um, and it is nothing like the title of the series suggests. It, it's got a deeper, more sinister plot in the second season, but it's really, really a great, great series. So yeah, my 2020 was all anime. So we're going to look forward to continuing some of that going into 2021. And I know um, we wrote down a couple of things that we're both excited for 2021. I know some of the things I'm going to read out, you're also excited about as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've decided that we're not going to mention any movies that because we're excited for. Because we, <laughs> we really, I know that HBO Max is going to do like a collaboration and release some in the cinema and some online Um but I know that the cinemas are not happy with them. I doubt that they're going to budge on this now. I think they've said, I think HBO and Warner, Warner Brothers, I think have made their decision and that's it. Yeah. But you never but, I mean, know. Even still, even if they start opening things back up again, it's, it's a matter of when are you going to be comfortable enough to go back? And I don't yeah. see myself being comfortable enough to go back, not at least until the summer, if, if we can get the numbers down and the vaccines all rolled out. So... Yeah, but I mean, I doubt that Warner Brothers are going to go back on their. Oh no, joint. no, they're still going to be doing. They're still doing their HBO Max release. I think they said they got fourteen movies coming out on HBO Max this year. Yeah, I probably would say though, if they do stick to that, Matrix Four is probably the one I'm most excited for. Well, and Fast and Furious Nine. Mortal Kombat. Super excited about that. Uh, I've, never, I've never seen a Mortal Kombat film. What? <laughs> I've never have. <laughs> They always, look, they always look terrible. Okay, like, Annihilation but... is absolutely terrible, but the first Mortal Kombat, I will stake... I, this is the hill that I would die on. It, the first Mortal Kombat film is the best video game adaptation, period. I don't want to hear anything about other video game adaptations. The first Mortal Kombat is perfect. What about Super Mario Bros.? No. <laughs> I love that movie, but it is an awful, awful, horrible, I, terrible I, movie. I, I know, I know it is, it is a bad <laughs> film. It's a bad film. But no, I love it too, but it's no. a bad film. No, Mortal Kombat is a great, the first one is great. I would highly oh, recommend. Could. So I'm super excited about the, the new Mortal Kombat. Um, yeah. As far as like the WB films, that's, that's probably the one I'm most excited about. Oh, you've got me wondering now what would be... Um... I think because well, I don't know when it's coming out, but The Last of Us is going to be a TV show, and I reckon that would be a good yeah. Adaption. But Witcher did a really good. Netflix did a really good Witcher adaptation. I'll give them that. Yeah, I've still not seen that, but okay. So you can shout out the ones that you agree with on my list. Snowpiercer season two. You excited? Eh. Eh. You don't want to see like what happens when he gets on board the train. Like, um... I mean, I'm interested, but I probably would watch it the same way that I did last time, where I just kind oh, of you... binged it all at one yeah. time. Yeah. I, I I remember. So what happened was I came in late on season one and I watched half of it in a binge, um, and I was like, oh, now I'm gonna have to watch it weekly. Like, so it is a show I reckon is much better binged. Um, but I am going to watch the start of season two when it comes out on the yeah. 26th of Jan. I'm really excited for, for seeing that. Um, a Discovery of Witches. Which I'm... I didn't even know you watched. I do love that series. 
So the first episode came out yesterday, so it's technically already started. Uh, however, I've not watched it, and neither of you. Um, but no, I loved that. I, I watched I watched all of season one last year. I thought yeah. it was great. I watched it within like a couple of days, or, or yeah. maybe even a day. Like I was, oh, it's so good. Uh, and I only started watching it because I literally had. I just kind of wanted something to watch. I just saw it there and I pressed play, and I was like, actually, this is pretty good. I, um, I'm really excited for Falcon and the Winter Soldier on Disney Plus. Yep, me too. Uh, I think that is gonna that out of all of them looks amazing. So we've got One Division, Loki, but this one is the yeah. one I'm most excited. Plus, about. I really enjoyed their dynamic in Civil War. Oh yeah, yeah. Like they, they they're good actors, and yeah. Um, yeah, I'm excited for that. I'm excited to see Superman and Lois getting a TV series on CW. Ne- I've <laughs> never been a Superman fan. The first time that i ever liked anything superman related was man of steel that's it it was a good movie yeah it was a good movie but i loved the terry hatcher um tv series when i was a kid um was it the new adventures of superman and lois or something like that um i don't think this is called lois and clark yeah lois and clark the new adventures of superman oh that was always cool yeah that was it um it was clearly obviously 90s tv um I don't think this will be as cheesy, but the but I think it looks good. I'm I'm excited for it. Superman related, I am over the moon that Bendis is off Superman and Action Comics and is going to be replaced by Philip Kennedy Johnson. So when the main books will come back in March, that is actually something I'm really looking forward to uh, this year as well. I know you don't read the Superman books, um, <laughs> but I've been re- I've been reading Superman since Rebirth, uh, like continuously. But I've read Superman on and off over the years, mm-hmm. and Superman was really good until Bendis took over, and then since Bendis took over, it's just been trash. Um, he honestly just didn't know what he was doing. He literally, I, I kind of described it as like someone coming in and taking a massive shit in your front room and then walking back out again. Yikes. Like he literally just came in and destroyed everything that the previous creative teams had done. And they, the previous creative teams had actually set up a really nice family dynamic, which I really was enjoying reading. Um, Superman and Lois and Jonathan was maybe 10 years old and he had a really cool relationship with Bruce Wayne's son, Damien. Um, and it was a brilliant thing. And then he came in and what he did was he basically split up Superman and Lois. He hasn't broken them up, but Lois lives in Chicago now and, um, whatever and superman lives in metropolis and jonathan kent went missing and then when he did show up he got aged forward about another 10 or 15 years or something and 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 now he's basically like a young adult and then he kind of went off to the future and joined the legion of superheroes and and i was just like you know honestly it was just it was just i don't know oh and the other thing he did was decide that superman was going to reveal his identity to the world yeah okay all right bye and um and I know that Bendis did that with Daredevil and it worked really well when he did it with Marvel, um, having Daredevil's identity kind of come out. But not yeah, but out. Daredevil doesn't have the worldwide clout that Superman has. Oh, he, but he did it so well in the Daredevil books and it was really well done. And so when I heard that he was going to reveal Superman's identity, I was like, come on, man, have you not got any original ideas? Like you've done this already with someone else. Um, so I, I hated it all. So once I heard that Bendis was leaving, I was over the moon. Um, I've decided I, I literally was going to drop Bendis's, you know, the Superman books. And when I heard he was leaving, I was like, no, do you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to carry on. I'm going to hopefully, 
I'm putting a lot of trust here. I'm faith. I'm hoping Philip Johnson is going to really turn this around. I can't think of anything I've ever read by him, but I've heard that he's done some really good things. So, mm. so I'm hoping that's on my look ahead for next year, that book. The big thing I'm looking forward to in 2021 is the Mass Effect Legendary Edition. Um, it is my favorite video game of all time. The, they're remastering the original trilogy, which, in my opinion, is are the only three games that actually matter. Uh, set for a spring release, I'm hoping March, but, you know, that could be April, May. So we'll see. Um, if all of the DLCs are included in the cost of the Legendary Edition, I will buy it for PlayStation because I have already played through it multiple times on both my 360 and my Xbox One. So it would be it'd be fun to start the whole thing over and play it on a totally different console. So that's very much what I'm looking forward to. Mass Effect Legendary Edition. I'm trying to look, it doesn't seem to say when it's coming out. No, so far they've just said spring. Spring but, 2021. But I can pre-order it over here it's 55 quid but i don't know if it includes dlc yeah that's what i i need to find that out because i don't want to pay for those all over again (laughs) (laughs) because i have i am that person i have literally bought every single dlc for all three of the original uh games Mm. so yeah, I don't know if it does or not. I'm, I, I've never played a single Mass Effect game. What, so what, what's Mass Effect then? Tell me about Mass Effect as I it's obviously don't know. It's basically a space opera. So it takes place in the year um, like 20, 2083. And it's about this threat that materializes and you've got this alliance of human sort of fighters that work with an intergalactic force of other species and they have this council and on this galactic council they've got three of them the biggest and most important species of the galaxy and that doesn't include humans and the humans have been trying to get themselves onto this council for a long time uh this threat materializes and uh a mixed group of humans and aliens are sent on like this covert mission to figure out what the hell's going on and stop it from happening is it like halo or is it like um, more like a like a tomb raider type because in halo earth gets invaded right no like, no i so, so no, i mean more like how you play it is it like, like oh it's a it's a third person so you you play on a team it's a sort of co-op the first two games are single player the third game has a multiplayer component but it's not really necessary for the game so is it more of a story game like oh yeah it's it's 100 okay, okay. uh it's like an rpg but it's an action rpg so it's not you you get to design your character at the beginning of the game you either pick you know you're going to be the female commander or you're going to be the male commander uh so you can customize your character and then you're playing as your character now and then you can make decisions so whether or not you're a jerk or whether or not you're a saint your decisions that you make affect all three games. So one wrong decision you made in game one could have some kind of unforeseen consequence in the third game. Um, so it's all one big connected oh, wow. story, which it's the first game I ever played where you, you pick one of your squad members to go off and die. And then you play the rest of the entire franchise going back. Like there's flashbacks to that 
teammate dying and the decision that you made to send them to to their death pretty much um it's also the first video game series that made me cry (laughs) when i was playing the third game i guess because the third game is the end of the trilogy like in the third game several of the main characters that you have played either in the first game or the second game end up dying and some of those death sequences are so emotional that it was just like, okay, I'm done playing for the day. Like I need to go cry, cry this out for a bit and then come back to it. Um, but the, the original trilogy is so well done. It's so much heart and you really, really get to know the characters. So I think that's probably why even like the first game was released in 2009, no, 2007. So that's, that's pretty much why this uh, series has the following that it has is because that original trilogy really kind of, sucked you in um i just looked it up by the way um uh, for the game it says it includes single player base content and dlc from mass effect mass effect 2 mass effect 3 plus promo weapons armor packs all remastered and and optimized for 4k ultra hd perfect then i will definitely buy it for playstation so i can have a whole new playstation experience with mass effect i get to earn my trophies all over again Maybe we could do something together. Like maybe if I'll get it or something. I don't know. Like you kind of sold me on it. I would like to watch a trailer. See, it's really good. If, it's too bad you don't have an Xbox because the first game is available on Game Pass, like to download and play for if you have Game Pass. Oh, I um, just got a PS4. That's all I've got. Yeah, I would check the PS4 store though because like the first game, the first the first game is is really good. It's, it's but I mean, really if I've got to pay for the first game, I may as well now wait for this. Yeah. Like um. But we'll see. But that's kind of our look ahead for the next few months. I'm sure more stuff will come out or change our minds on what, well, not change our minds, but more things may peak our be interest. interesting to, yeah, peak mm-hmm. our interest. So, um, okay. So next week we will be reviewing the first episode of WandaVision from Disney Plus, and we'll just be reviewing Dark Detective Future State issue one. And don't forget about our second podcast series where we tackle some of the most essential graphic novels of all time. Our fourth Late to the Party Book Club episode was Monstrous Awakening, Volume 1, which is written by Marjorie Liu and drawn by Sana Takeda. That episode drops at the very beginning of January, so please check it out. Our next graphic novel is going to be March, Volume 1, by Andrew Igene and John Lewis. So that's going to be our February book. And you can also follow us on social media. We're Geeks Unleashed on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And you can listen to this podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Google, Podbean, Apple, Spotify. We are everywhere. So be sure to give us a five-star rating and leave us a review. Thank you very much, guys. Have a good week. Bye.